September 28, 1975 was, in most ways, just another beautiful day in Long Beach, California. The vibrant seaside city with its five and a half miles of beaches along the glistening Pacific Ocean was just beginning to come of age as a world-class port. But this wasn't just any Sunday. On this day, Chris Pook's dream for Long Beach was about to come true. Grand Prix racing had come to Long Beach. And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio Welcome to Dinner with Racers. I'm Ryan Eversley. I'm Sean Heckman. And we are just finishing up a very long season of podcasts, of streaming series, of iRacing leagues on YouTube. You name it, we're trying to do it for you guys. And one of the things we tried to do was really capture the Long Beach Grand Prix by finding out who runs it and all the backstories behind it. So uh, if you're used to our uh, traditional podcast, this is kind of that, but it's actually more of an extended cut of the videos that we did which are available on Motor Trend Plus as well as Motor Trend's YouTube channel. Um, if you go on there you can see that we've got a two-part Long Beach episode on the Motor Trend Plus app. It's called Building Long Beach Parts 1 and 2 on Motor Trend's YouTube. I don't know what the hell they named it. And we'll end that there. But you can't have Long Beach without talking about Mr. Chris Pook. Chris Pook is one of those polarizing figures in motorsports that a lot of people know who he is and he has this commanding presence but we honestly were shocked by how warm and open he was with us when he talked about his role and being one of the founders of the Long Beach Grand Prix. Now, Chris is not just known for that. He also went on to run the Champ Car Series for a long time, and he's also promoted and run a lot of motorsports ventures across the sport. So when you say Chris Pook, insiders absolutely know who he was. And we actually weren't sure what we were getting, but when we sat down with him, he was nothing but awesome. So yes, he is the founder of the Long Beach Grand Prix, but the guy's got a lot of crazy stories, including cold calling Dan Gurney. He used to hang up fences with Phil Hill? And uh, let's just say buying room temperature champagne three minutes before a race is over. But of course, we could not do this without uh, two things, really. One, there was a, even though I live 10 miles from, right. from there, I still needed somebody to fly out here and drive me. Because, exactly. Because I'm just that way. Yeah, I get it. Who was that, Ryan? That was Mr. Fast Rene Rast. Hey, Fast Rast drove me there. That's right. Pretty big deal, considering he has a whole life in Germany. I'm Rene Rast. And I'm definitely not driving an Acura. Thanks, Renee. And uh, what kind of tires got us there? That would be Continental Tires. Cross Contact LX Speech. Thanks, Acura. Now, again, if you haven't seen our streaming series, then you might not know what this episode's about. But if you go to Motor Trend Plus, or if you go to youtube.com forward slash Motor Trend Watch, look up Dinner with Racers, look up the Long Beach Grand Prix episode, check it out. Give us a like or a comment, but you can learn all about the Long Beach Grand Prix. And if you want to learn even more, well... Listen to Chris Pook. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. So we heard a rumor that the uh, the Grand Prix exists because of uh, the idea stemming from this room. Um, it actually stemmed from a tiny office just across the hallway here, just behind this wall here. Oh, okay. Which, yeah. was, which okay. was my travel agency at the time. Ah. Okay. And uh, I came to work on uh, on Memorial Day weekend and put the 500 on, on the on the radio as I was working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the same time, I remember uh, the people in the convention bureau who were six floors above me saying that they were going to build a convention center here. 
and uh, you know they were cha changing Long Beach's image from an oil town, an aircraft town, a navy town, and they want to become a tourist convention destination. So uh, I sat and thought for a second. You know, well, it's going to be pretty hard if you can, if you're going to build this whole convention center for fifty million bucks or whatever. Yeah, and you don't have any decent hotels for people to stay in. Right, right. Yeah, where they're supposed so, to go. So you know, that reminded me of the history of Monte Carlo. Mm -hmm. Because Monte Carlo came about because of Nice and Cannes, the two towns next door, which were doing a gangbuster business, particularly in the wintertime, with the Northern Europeans and the English coming down there. And so Monte Carlo said, well, what are we going to do to compete with this? And then somebody in Monte Carlo said, well, let's run cars around our streets. And that's how the Monte Carlo Grand Prix got started in the Principality. And then, then of course, came the rally and mm -hmm. everything afterwards. So I thought, you know, Monte Carlo established itself by running cars around the streets. Uh, you know, what, what happens if we do it here? I mean, what, when we cannot afford, if one doesn't have a reputation as a convention city, mm -hmm. then you're going to have to spend a quarter of a million, a million dollars a year at least on establishing your destination. Right. And this destination was hidden by L.A. Yeah. Disneyland was better known. Santa Barbara was better known, excuse me. And how do you establish Long Beach? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, so you do something absolutely outrageous. Yeah. And you shut streets down and run racing cars. And from the very start, I said, you know, we've got to run the top of the class. We've got to go for Formula One, nothing yeah. but. Yeah, right. And uh, so that was the, the, the decision. That was the, my thought process that Memorial Day. And thus the nightmare began. <laughs> 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 what brought you to Long Beach originally? Um, well, uh, I bought a home here in 1968. Uh -huh. I was in the travel business, and I sold my company's uh, first in 68 and then again in 71 and I decided to open up retail travel. Mm -hmm. I was on the other side of the travel industry. Retail travel in uh, in 71 and I looked around at Long Beach what was here and what was, you know, how things were going on. I thought, well, I live here. Why don't I work here? Right, right. So it made sense. So that's, that's what got me started. So I started from scratch and we had a very, very small little agency. We did, you know, rather than have people writing tickets all day long, I put, brought in teleticketing machines and things because it was cumbersome in those days. Right. Like, yeah. Tickets, right. So. You're like, with the right technology, a travel agency can last forever. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here in the 1970s. It's, it's, yeah. 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 And I focused on business travel to start with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And so anyway, it all sort of worked out. But that was, that was Memorial Day 73. And uh, we moved forward from there with the help of one Daniel Sexton Gurney. I, I'm of the opinion no one comes up with the idea of racing unless they're already a racer themselves. So were you always a lifelong race fan? Is this something you, you enjoyed oh, growing up yeah. anyway? I've been, uh, been watching racing from uh, speedway bi bikes on the grass right. in England to uh, to speedway bikes on shale in the, in the Greyhound stadiums all the way through to um, being a bad rally driver, <laughs> and uh, it just sort of you know something that I wanted to do, but um, it, it was not easy in England in those days getting started. I mean, unless someone had a lot of money in the family to do it for you, sure, you had to you know scramble. So it's much easier now. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is a lot easier now. Uh, but then you know, that but that when I was trying to raise money for that. In England, I realized just, you know, well, this is tough over here. What about America? And mm -hmm. I always have my eye on America. So I, I immigrated in, with a green card in 1963. Okay. Yeah. And um, I don't know if it's self-described, but in the books about you, you are described as like an entrepreneur from day one. Yeah, probably. I think that would be fair enough. I ran my, my first event was when I was seven years old. <laughs> 
I ran a dog show on the Village Green. A dog show? A dog show, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. We, we, it was the Village Green in Gawley, and we had we put up fences for the, for the jumping contest, and then there was the fetch contest. And you're seven years old? Yeah. yeah. When you yeah. say we, who's with you? The neighborhood kid across <laughs> yeah, the, the street. Kid. Yeah, and he okay. was also yeah. seven. So was he, put it on. Were you partners, or was he working for you? You know, <laughs> I don't know about that. I think, okay. I think we were... Partners, but I suppose to be fair, I would say that he was the minority partner. <laughs> <laughs> so it started early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a fairly strong personality in those days. Yeah. Back seven. then. Yeah. yeah. Back yeah. then. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'd yeah. already run away from school, so. <laughs> At seven. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the dog show business is booming. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can yeah. make a quick yeah. buck. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is more of a Jim Connor type thing, you know, <laughs> where. where, where they jumped Relating over it. fences and <laughs> yeah. did all kinds of silly stuff like you were, that. So right. you were the yeah. Ken Block of yeah. motorsports. Of motorsports. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so you show up here in uh, Long Beach, and at the time it was uh, it was paradise, right? Um, downtown Long Beach was fairly marginal in those days. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the, the Navy base, yeah, shipping, freight, mm-hmm. freighters, aircraft manufacturing. Yeah, it was pretty rough. <laughs> uh, Pine Avenue. Uh, Upper Pine Avenue, up to Broadway, and, and then Lower Pine Avenue down to Seaside. It was pretty educational, mm-hmm. to say the least. Educational. Um, yeah. You it, learn a lot. Lo- you learn a lot. Yeah. You learn a lot about mm-hmm. what goes on in life down mm-hmm. there. And then also along Ocean Boulevard, we had the movie theaters with the porno movies and yeah. stuff like that. And also educational. Also yeah. educational. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can learn. And then interesting ladies walking around mm-hmm. in yeah. the evening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> overdressed yeah uh, quote unquote mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway it was uh you know uh, but the rest of the city you know once you got away from the downtown area it was it's actually a really really nice city mm-hmm. but uh it had gone into decay and uh, as happened to many american cities around the time of the the late 60s yeah. and the, the early 70s so uh you know i thought you know how how are we going to do this? I mean, how are we you know we got to change the image of the city. Mm-hmm. We can't you know how can you be a convention city or a tourist town with that stuff going on? Yeah, we're going to need something to bring people so in. So we need to, you know, we need something to to spur development, mm-hmm. change the image. So and I, and I just really all I copied was what Monte Carlo had done over the years. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just they they as a progression, you as you saw the hotels emerging in Monte Carlo right. and the growth right. and the things, the attraction, the swimming pool around the, you know, on the edge of the harbor and the harbor for boats and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it all sort of, you know, I mean, I just, I, I didn't, this is not original thinking. I don't sure. want you to think that, you know, but it, I, I, you know, I pictured in my mind right. what could be done. Now the, the sort of the templates may be the wrong word, but the idea of looking at what happened in Monaco and Monte Carlo. Uh, and saying, okay, that could apply to what we're trying to do here in Long Beach. Did that come as being a race fan, or is that just sort of general knowledge if you're if you're from Europe? Um, I would think it, it it came from general knowledge from being from Europe, but I would say the the more intricate detail of what had to happen or how it got there mm-hmm. came from my interest in motorsports and then digging into, you know, okay, how, when I was a kid, you know, this is amazing, Monte Carlo running around the streets, how they do yeah. it, you know, and and then uh, in the, uh, like, 61, I think it was 62, I went to Monte Carlo, and then I saw firsthand, n- not realizing that 10 years later I would be g- going through this same process. <laughs> right. And regretting every minute. <laughs> just, you know, I just looked at and it's it sunk in, and, of course, 10 years later, yeah. <laughs> that visit came back vividly. Right. Mm. You know, okay, th- this is this is what happens if you do this. What's the first move? 
Well, the first move was to talk to the Convention and Visitor Bureau, Bureau guys, who were clients of mine, became travel clients of mine. Okay. So, I mean, I, we, they, I t- took them to lunch at Lombardo's here, <laughs> and, and uh, I'd taken a, some tourist maps and sort of mapped t- t- a, a circuit together, which included going over the Queensway Bridge to the Queen Mary, mm-hmm. and sort of, you know, stuck it together on a cardboard back. This is the day before computer graphic arts. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And then I just launched into the idea, but, you know, what we wanted to do. And uh, the three of them, Bob Lichtenhan, uh, Paul Bessler, and uh, Dan Swanson, um, kind of their eyes got bigger and bigger, and they looked at me like, are you, are you serious about this? Are you serious? I said, yes, I'm serious about it. And they said, how can this How can this happen? How can I, I said, I don't know. Said, but if it's an idea you think is good and it's possible, you, you know you've got a problem. Yeah, yeah. If you think, if you believe that this with national and international television and go research Formula One and come back and tell me if this will solve your problem of reach and, exp- and yeah. getting the word, then I'll, I'll take the next step and I'll put a phone call into uh, a well-known American race car driver called Dan Gertie, who I'd only met once in the paddock at, at Brands Hatch. And he didn't know me from Adam. Sure, sure. Yeah. So they they thought about it, and they left the lunch. And about an hour later, Lichtenhahn called me, and he says, let's go forward. Huh. Let's bring Gurney in. we got nothing to lose here. Right. What you're saying is making sense to us. Sure, right? sure. Our job's to sell the place. Yeah. We can use this. Right. So next step. Cold call Dan Gurney. Cold call Dan Gurney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because at the end of the day, it's still Southern California, so nothing happens without star power. Correct. And yeah. Dan Gurney is, of course, in the 1960s, when it comes to American racing, he, yeah. is, he is as big He's as it gets. You know? Right, right. Yeah, no, he, he – exactly. I mean, he yeah. made his mark in Europe. I mean, you know, it was amazing that he, that he did what he did as, as tall and big as he is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know – yeah, and, and then that he survived. Yeah. Right, right. Think, just think about like he's tall and lanky, and, and yourself like that'd be like Gumby and Pookie. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Okay, so that's fair enough. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so cold call Dan Gurney. Yeah, I mean cold cold call Dan's office, All American Races on South Broadway in Santa yeah. Ana. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a few miles from here. Yeah, yeah, it is just a few miles down the road. And uh, Kathy answered the phone. Same Kathy that's still there. <laughs> And I said, I'd like to speak to uh, Mr. Gurney, please. And he said, what's this about? And I said, well, um, I think I've got the genesis for a Formula One race on the streets of Long Beach. And there was silence. And she said, would you repeat that? (laughs) (laughs) So I said, I think I've got the genesis for a Formula One race on the streets of Long Beach. And I'd like to get Mr. Gurney's opinion and see if he can give me some guidance. One moment, please. And I thought, you know, okay, I'm going to get the run <laughs> yeah, around. Right, right, right. 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 He's in a meeting. This is Ted. Yeah. How can I help you? Yeah. All of a sudden, uh, Alex. Hey, this is Dan Gurney. How you doing? And holy crap, I'm talking to Dan Gurney. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, right, yeah. right, right, right. I gotta, I gotta sell this thing now. I uh, sort of quickly went over it, and he says, and I said, I'd like to come down and see you. And he says, okay, when can you be here? And they, two days later, I think it was, or three days later. Mm-hmm. I'm there in all American races with my cardboard piece layout and <laughs> right yeah proposal the proposal yeah, is yeah. That term and uh, <laughs> he, he he was he, he said you know where's the city on there they behind I said I I don't know about the city but the convention bureau's on board mm-hmm. 
if you'd like to come up and have a meeting with them, uh, I can arrange it. Right. And you can also see the city and the layout. And he said, okay, fine. He says, but, you know, this going over this bridge backwards and forwards, he says, it doesn't look very good to me. He says, that's, that's too fast and too dangerous. And, mm-hmm. you know, but I said, well, you, you know, we'll tweak it around. Yeah, that's not the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, sure enough, he came over in his white van. I thought, you know, he's going to show up in Ferrari. Yeah, or right. Yeah, you know. exactly. He yeah. has his nondescript white van. Yeah. That's because he's a real racer. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. Yeah. so he's probably in, running parts. Yeah. yeah. And he says, okay, you, you know, you got that uh, got that piece of cardboard with the, what you laid out on? I said, yeah. I said, get in the van. So we got in the van and we drove and we drove around Ocean and down Linden and it was all dirt below the hill in those days. And then they were going to build Shoreline Drive, and then mm-hmm. we went over the Queensway Bridge. He says, no, this is not going to work. Yeah. This will not work. I said, like, well, i got to get the Queen Mary in it. And he said, yeah, but we can do that as a backdrop. Mm-hmm. So anyway, very quickly, he uh, he figured out a circuit, which was Ocean, down Linden, screw around in the Linden parking lot, up to the hairpin by the Villa Riviera, because mm-hmm. he loved that building, <laughs> down Shoreline, hairpin turn, back to Pine, up Pine, back to Ocean. So the original layout of the Grand Prix of Long Beach wasn't some aerial photo where you handpick each no. corner and think well, about, think about where it people are. It was yes. in a white van driving Dan, around. With Dan, with Dan, Dan Gurney. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what yeah. I like to hear. Yeah. Here's, here's actually the thing that I hear in that story because I would assume racing through all time has, has had the same types of characters, mm-hmm. uh, including the 1960s. So in modern racing... We're both used to the phone call from some random person who's got an idea, and it's nonsense. And you can immediately kind of suss out that it's nonsense. Why do you think – I imagine the 1960s was probably the same. Why do you think Dan Gertie would take a call from some guy he doesn't know saying, oh, no, trust me, 10 miles north, there's, there's going to be a street race. I can make it happen. Daniel never looked at a glass as being half empty. Hmm. He always looked at the glass as being half full. That was the nature of, of him. He pushed the envelope. Even, even the latter years of his life, he was still pushing the envelope in the in the in the business they're in right now. Yeah. So that, that was the nature of the beast, and for him, it, you know, oh, this will be fun. Yeah. Hey, you know what? <laughs> right. Oh yeah. yeah, I've driven at Monte Carlo. Should sure. I have that in my backyard here? Right. Holy crap! Right. So and you're it, saying if we want success, we shouldn't be so pessimistic and. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Always look at the glass being half full. <laughs> Never look at it being half. I got. I got. I got to. I got to go. Yeah. I got to leave. So, <laughs> so anyway, so I mean, and he embraced it, and of course, when, when we 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 were late for the lunch with Lichtenhahn and and uh, Swanson mm-hmm. and and Bessler, uh, again back in famous Lombardos here, <laughs> and uh, I mean, I thought these guys were going to wet their trousers when they saw Gurney come through the front door. Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, oh my God, stood up and Leonard Lombardo was a huge man. Uh huh. He was everywhere. I mean, you know, whatever you guys want, you know, just tell me. Uh, so, anyway, so, I mean, Dan was very blunt about the thing. He just said, "Look, you know, this is feasible. It can be done, but it's not going to be done on our own. You got to have the city involved. The mm-hmm. city has to embrace this. If the city are not involved in this thing, it won't happen." Yeah. So that was the marching orders for the convention boys mm-hmm. yeah. to go get them on board. Go get the city on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. this is all 1973. This is all seventy-three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is all seventy-three. Yeah. This is this is July, August, yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, a couple months mm-hmm. after the five hundred. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, a couple months after the five hundred, and uh, so that was you know the the end of the lunch, and uh, uh, Dan went away 
Well, he, he took one more. Said, "Let's go one more drive around and look." And, mm-hmm. and it was, in, in, you know, there was no paving, no no marina down here, no sure. nothing. It was all dirt. Yeah. Know? But the convention boys had a, a plan of what it would look like for, we, the, for them, not for the Grand Prix, but for just for no, how they wanted to lay out the convention the, area. The, yeah, what yeah. was going to happen? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the concept of having a you know a harbor for boats out there and all that yeah. stuff. Right. The expansion of the convention. Yeah. Center. How to make this a place now, you yeah. want to come to? Was the, was the writing already on the wall for the future of the city? Because, like, the Convention Bureau, as it is now, makes a lot of sense with the, the, the naval base shutting down and, and the city developing and, re, and changing how it has. But I don't know if they had that foresight in the 1970s. Oh. The naval base didn't shut down until right. 15 years after. Right. right. So this mm-hmm. wasn't foresight thinking, oh, no. like, we need to replace this. Oh, yeah. Okay. The city knew that it had to do something about its downtown. It had a dying downtown. Right. The, the right. retail was leaving. Everybody was leaving. So the, the timing was good. I mean... The city already recognized they had to do something. They'd already committed to build the convention center. They hadn't thought out what they were going to do, but they knew they had to clean up the area. Yeah. And do something to not be hidden within Los Angeles uh, and Anaheim. Uh, and yeah, set it apart. Yeah. And, yeah. and to establish our own identity. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, you know, the, 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 it all sort of kind of that piece, those pieces fell into place. And uh, next thing we know, we're in front of the city council. Yeah. Was, was that a positive meeting, or was there pushback from the get-go? No. <laughs> there was the meeting. with the, in, in those days, Long Beach was run by the city manager with a very firm mm-hmm. hand, okay? Yeah. We didn't have regional council districts. <laughs> you were elected to the council. You represented the whole city. Yeah. So we show up on, on Tuesday at the council meeting. By this time, I've got a local lawyer involved with us, and we're sort of starting to assemble what this... That's where How's the napkin going to be structured. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, that's where the napkin took place. <laughs> okay. On the Thursday after the meeting with the city manager, we met here, right over here. drinks on yeah. a napkin, and put together the Grand Prix Association of Long Beach on the napkin. Nice. And when you say here, you mean like yeah. where we are right now? No, in a, on a high rise. Okay, no, this is bad for TV. <laughs> right here. <laughs> yeah, right here. Right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, right here. <laughs> there you go. Uh, um, and uh, we. Uh, we we, we, f- we created what the company would would be, and then we fronted up Tuesday, and it was on the we were briefed very carefully by the city folk and the convention bureau folks, not to say a word. This was on the manager's agenda. Okay. As a, the last agenda item on his agenda. So uh, the item was permission to enter into a long-term contract with the Grand Prix Association of Long Beach for the purpose of running a. Monte Carlo style Formula One race on the streets of Long Beach. Period. That's the that's the agenda. That's item. the agenda item. Okay. So Chicken by Phillips, Councilman Phillips, who's who lived in this district, this area down here, he made the motion and uh it went down uh, eight to one. Okay. Up. I mean, yeah, like everybody's yeah, 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 right? yeah. Except yeah. for one lady who said no. She was thought it was very bad. We sent a terrible message to the kids about racing on the streets. Mm-hmm. So she voted against it. Ah, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Porn theaters are fine. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so then we're out of there, and we look at each other and say, holy crap. <laughs> what do we do now? we got to do running. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's real. <laughs> this thing's gone farther than we thought. <laughs> right, right, right. There's one thing I, I, I want to go back a step on, and I don't know if it's relevant or not, but like – who are you uh, at this time? And here's where I'm going with that. So you are a, you've got a small business. You're running a travel agency yep. out of Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I understand how you, I would assume through running a travel agency, you've already become friends with the, the convention bureau guys yep. because that's an obviously very and, intermingled and, series And of many businesses. of the business leaders in town because I was okay. pitching them for their travel business. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's where I was going. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I don't, like the, the big real estate hotel guy, I can see knowing everyone in town, but I don't necessarily know how the travel agent knows everybody. But it's literally because you've been pounding on doors all through Long Beach with powers that be to try and get their travel business. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. I was doing the university's travel. For their athletic teams. Okay. I was doing most of the major businesses travel. Right. I'd just been awarded the Ports Travel account. Okay. Because, again, travel agencies are going to live forever. I have to tell you that the fact that I had Dan on board yeah, with me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was the, the, the imprima of. The legitimacy of, of you needed. Legitimacy. Yeah. And yeah. that, you know, yeah. and, you know, people didn't, they, they didn't want to meet Chris Pook. They wanted to meet Dan Gurney. Sure, sure. That was, that was you know. Sure. When our podcast started. Um, our sponsors agreed to letting us go on this road trip. And after they agreed to it way too quickly, we realized, oh, crap, we have to do it. And it sounds like this was on a much bigger scale exactly what you were stuck with. Like, okay, they've just voted on this. We're, we're okay. Now we have to follow through. That's where we were. Yeah. yeah. What's the next call then? So the next call is... Now we've got to enter into the politics of American motor racing. <laughs> huh? <laughs> so in the politics of those days, were, there was the, the members of the ACUS, right, where SCCA, USAC, NHRA, NASCAR, and IMSA. Okay. And this all fun, falls under ACUS. For a, uh, <laughs> falls under ACUS, the Automobile right. Competition Committee for the United States. Right. Still in existence today. Right. There's sort of a general oversight kind it's of It's an board. umbrella. It's, yeah. a, it's, a it's designed to be a clearinghouse umbrella to make sure there wouldn't be date conflicts for major yeah. events, et cetera, et cetera. I see. Oh. I see. Oh. Huh. So, <laughs> Are you sure they're that active <laughs> yeah. today? And they're still around, oh. huh? Uh, still I'd, like around. A, I'd like their number. <laughs> still, uh, still around. Right. So um, so Jim is going to – his his. Pri his Brief is to go to the ACUS mm -hmm. and uh, get an application together from the ACUS to the what was the CSI in those days, mm -hmm. the CSI Commission Sportive Internationale. They govern okay. yeah. motor racing. Okay, yeah, sort of a FIA equivalent. Yeah, it's the yeah. FIA equivalent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, so, actually, the FISA equivalent. Ah, right. uh, copy. Okay. okay. Okay, I got you. The FISA equivalent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More of the commercial arm. So, anyway, so the, the, to get the, to get a, a you know, date application moved forward and then to start the process of drawing safety inspections, all the whole protocol you've got to go to. So, um, we never made it out of the ACUS meeting. Oh. oh. We were killed. And the Why basis was... Um, God bless him, Big Bill, France. Yeah. He says, we're not going to have these temporary circuits. They're dangerous, uh, and they'll put our permanent circuits out of business. Mm, that's the big I'm guessing yeah. one of those yeah. two things was yeah, true. Right. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. that's, they, they were both true at the time. Oddly enough, a year later, there was a street race in Pontiac, yeah. and a guy got decapitated. Wow. Right oh, jeez. Yeah. With, but you're also talking about the the guy who has made his mint off of Daytona International Super Speedway speedways. and all these big <laughs> yeah. speedways and permanent facilities. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. so, so. so it was a question of votes. I mean, it, it, and then it was, and we were killed. Yeah, so. that right away. Yeah. So we we come back and uh, so, okay. Well, that was a good idea. Let's go sell some airline tickets. Yeah, yeah. But Daniel said no. He wasn't going to take that for an answer. Nope. 
he he said, no, we're not, this is ridiculous. He said, these people can't sit there in Florida and vote this thing down not knowing what it is. And, 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 and forgive my ignorance because I don't know. You needed ACUS to get to you had Formula to, One? That was the pro- protocol. Why? That, that's the way it works in every country yeah. around the world. The, okay. the, the ASN, right, the, the governing yeah. body, and with this case it was going to be the SCCA. Okay. There was a, a loan at the time. We hadn't got to the Formula 5000 piece yet. Sure. So technically, the SECA would carry it forward, which Kaiser arranged, right? Okay. So that they present the a- the application to the ACUS okay. as a member club. Yeah. But and you can't like so the CSI would have been the equivalent of you can't buy, today. you couldn't bypass them in those days. You although, can't just go direct to them and say, "Look, no, we have although, Long Beach wants yeah. this." Okay, no, you can't do that. No, okay, no, that's not no, how it works. Not uh, today, it works. That sure, way. sure, but not in the nineties, not in those seventies, yeah. yeah. Okay, not in those days. So we were dead, but Daniel said, no, absolutely not. We're not going to be to put this to bed. We're going to figure a way through this. So um, if you remember, there was a disaster at Indianapolis, and uh, I think it was 72 or 71 or whatever it was, and they appointed a, a, an Indiana, very well-respected Indiana businessman called Tom Binford to be the chief steward of Indianapolis. So Dan knew Tom Binford very well. Tom Binford was also the ACUS rep to the CSI. So he sat on the ACUS board, but he also represented the ACUS at the CSI. So Daniel called up Binford, and, and Binford was very familiar with Monte Carlo, obviously. Called up Binford, and it, we arranged for Binford to come and visit Long Beach on a trip he had coming to L.A. So anyway, Dan brought Binford down here. We were all down here. We went, he went through his whole concept. We met with the convention people. We met with the mm-hmm. city manager. We said hello to uh, Mr. Phillips, Chicken Pie Phillips, whose council <laughs> district it was, because he had a chicken pie store. Uh, I hope so. So, uh, anyway. <laughs> so No one knew why they called him that. And, 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 and Binford went away saying, I don't know what's wrong with Bill France on this thing. He said, but let's just do the politics on this thing. Let's, get, let's see where we are with votes. Yeah. He says, I think Wally Parks... He didn't vote no. He just abstained because it was it was not drag racing. Mm-hmm. And Dan said, I know no, uh, Wally pretty well. And Bimba said, yeah, I know him pretty well. He says, let's see if we can talk to Wally and get Wally involved. Mm-hmm. So now we had, we, and, we, and they did. So now we had Wally, SCCA. We had two member clubs involved. Mm-hmm. So you guys are basically doing like what you have to do in You're, Congress. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like where yeah. you're going, okay, this guy's going to vote yes, yes but he, yes. we can't turn That's, him, so he's yeah, a waste yeah, of time. Yeah. This right. guy. And, and yeah. Binford was masterful of that. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. also, there were some independent delegates on the ACUS as well. So he got hold of a couple of them. Uh-huh. What, what's the? I, I don't know if you know the numbers, but like, what was? What, what, how many members were there? And how many I people? I think there had were eleven flip? members, eleven voting members. There were, okay. there were five. And, no, more than that. There were five member clubs, and three members at large. What? Okay. Uh, so like, in so terms thirteen. Of the vote. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And, you, yeah. and you needed seven people to vote yes. We needed seven to vote yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're literally like you've got names on a bulletin so, yeah, board, yeah. and you're like, so, no, call again. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. So okay. anyway, we went through the process. Binford managed it through the through the process, and we end up. So the two the, the NASCAR votes were two NASCAR votes, and NASCAR owned IMSA, if you yep. recall. Yes. Yep. Yep. So there were four votes over there. We knew were mm-hmm. yeah. bad news. That left yeah. us, with, you know, we knew, we knew we could get SCCA. Yeah. Binford could deliver USAC because he's in the Indiana guy. <laughs> okay. So there's, there's that's that. an easy one, right? Mm-hmm. So Dan and Binford went, went to Wally, who really didn't want to get involved, but thought, okay, guys, yeah, I'll step up. Right. So now we had six, one more. So we got one more. Uh, the one more was Binford. 
Okay. Oh, oh, well done. Okay. Yeah. So we have seven votes. Yeah. So we go back through this whole process <laughs> again, right? And we get it on a seven to six. Mm-hmm. Nice. How long does this take? This is a, this this like took a year. Uh, almost a, almost a year. About about. I would say to you about nine months. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember the timeline exactly. Right. Yeah. Now, this was already a harebrained idea (laughs) to the Long Beach City Council. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't know racing, I assume. And, you know, yeah, you brought Dan Gurney, but here's this wild idea. Like, do you have to explain why this is stalled out and explain the details of ACUS and all these things that you can't expect them to understand? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And are they getting more skeptical of this or are they just... Like They're kind of going, in mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. He'll show up right. or he won't. Deals that we have to. Yeah. 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 But, you know, but remember, you know, they'd voted on a contract. Is there right. an expiration right. to that, though? Like, are you looking at some timeline where that vote becomes null after two no. years? Okay. They, they have to rescind it. Okay. Or we can't come to terms on the agreement, then it, yeah. okay, then it just dies. They authorize the city manager to enter into a contract. Okay, so you're not mm-hmm. on any sort of time lapse, like, oh, in no. a year, it's going no. bad. Yeah, okay. no. So anyway, we get through... With our seven-six vote, yeah. yeah, which did not make Mr. France very happy. I was just about to yeah. ask. Yeah, big fan. So now we move forward to the uh, the CSI. Yeah. So the CSI in those days was had various committees. Mm-hmm. So we basically had to clear two committees. Number one, the calendar committee. Mm-hmm. For number two, the safety and circuits committee. Okay. With yeah. Anakis. CSI. Within CSI. Okay. Because they don't want okay. you to be, you know, a conflict with their already in place schedule. And you can't be killing people under their under their branding, right? Or underneath their... And uh, we had a problem with the schedule. Okay. Because in those days, only one Grand Prix was granted per country. Mm-hmm. Right. And the USGP was already in Watkins The USGP Land. was already at Watkins Glen. Right. So anyway, Benford, he thought, he said... I think I can tackle that one just by the sheer size of the country yeah. and the population that which justified to have two Grand yeah, Prix. So don't let's worry about that. Mm-hmm. So let's worry about the safety piece now. So he said to Dan, uh, "I I want to bring out the chairman of the circuit and safety committee uh, to Long Beach, and I want to walk through this whole thing with him of how we're going to do this." And his name was Nino Bacigalupi. Bacigalupi ran Monza. Oh, okay. Really? So probably, yeah. 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 You look, you look oh, he's Italian? Italian. Never Italian. Yes. Okay. <laughs> huh. Little guy. Little guy. Italian guy? Great little guy. <laughs> Wonderful. Doctor. He was an engineer. So the first thing we do is figure out with Bacigalupi about the circuit. He immediately makes some changes. You know, the bottom of Linden Hill, mm-hmm. he wants a left-hand turn, and he wants runoff. He wants a big sweeper going through the parking lot, and then... Pardon me, another sweeper going up to Shoreline mm-hmm. and Alameda's up you know, with a U-turn and r- runoff areas. Yeah. Down Shoreline, big runoff area. Mm-hmm. U-turn on Shoreline, up Pine. Instead of going straight up Pine, f- dead straight because he goes up to the hill, would, would be very dangerous arriving on, sure. uh, on a braking distance. You know, mm-hmm. you know, those cars would arrive there 120, 130, 140 miles right. an hour. He wants to jog into a parking lot and create not a chicane but a a right-hander, sh- very short straight, left-hander straight, left-hander short straight, mm-hmm. right-hander back up, and then the pits. So they, they're working all this. In the meantime, we've got city engineers in tow with us, mm-hmm. and they've got scaled city drawings and everything, and they're making copious notes, doing everything they're supposed to do. And uh, we, uh, we, we're on foot mm-hmm. doing this, and 
there's traffic, you know, the, the shoreline wasn't built in those days, but there's traffic all over Ocean Boulevard. Yeah. Immediately, you know, we, we could see where it was a dangerous situation. So the city guy with us, George Medak, who was incredibly helpful with the whole thing, he immediately calls the cops. He's an ex-cop himself. Yeah. So here now we have several black and whites controlling yeah. traffic while yeah. we're walking around the streets. And then, I mean, it was, and Bacigalupi saw this, you know, he, he saw this, all this city cooperation, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm concerned about this. these guys are coming too fast, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cops. Boom. Right. Done. You know, okay. Yeah. City's behind us. Yeah. Right. Right. So, uh, we, well, then we go to the city engineer's office when the walk's all, all done through and the city engineer, Jack McGinnis, he assigns two assistants, and this is you know, this is before CAD, right? This mm-hmm. is when drawings were hand drawn, yeah, right, right. Everything was done in the, by hand. He assigns two engineers to it, and and he gets the the, the layout going and this this turn, and then Bachigalupi starts talking to him about vertical radiuses and horizontal radiuses <laughs> and turns. And yeah. Okay. He gets you know he understands that he's an engineer. Right. So he gets the principle of, of, of all that. Anyway, so we leave there probably at seven o'clock at night. Next morning. We show up in the Queen Mary for breakfast. And then all of a sudden, McGinnis shows up with his engineers. And mm-hmm. they've been working all night long. Uh-huh. And they have everything laid out. Finished. Yeah. For Bacigalupe. And he looked at me and says, oh, my God. I cannot believe you do this. Yeah. All night they worked. So Benford and he start talking about the date thing then. And so Benford said, well, you know, why don't we, uh, why don't we suggest to the CSI that there is the need for a second Grand Prix in America because of the size. Yeah. But let's distance the second one as far away as possible in time mm-hmm. from the first one. Also in distance, in literal distance. Yeah, right, yeah, right, right, yeah. right, right, yeah. So bingo. Here we go. Yeah. October, Watkins Glen, mm-hmm. upstate New York. Mm-hmm. March, Southern California. Yeah. yeah. Distance, distance yeah. accomplished yeah. in both. Yeah, right. So any... Time. So that any argument about overlap and you're, like, sure. you're not going to get this, this no. people aren't going to go to the same race yeah. twice. Yeah, right. all gone. Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> there we are. Then we go. Then we go through the commissions and all the stuff. And of course, time's going on, and we have lots more inspections and the decisions being made about guardrail mm-hmm. and concrete blocks. And Binford to the rescue again, <laughs> and uh, basically says, um, you know, there's a little town up in in Canada called Trois-Rivières. Mm-hmm. And they run a race there every year, and they use concrete blocks around, around yeah. the circuit. Yeah. They said, you know, they're, they're much better because if a car hits it, it'll bounce off. It's a vertical. Can't have a can't be a freeway block because a a, a slick will climb that yeah. that mm-hmm. slope like ramp, right? Mm-hmm. And that is a ramp. Yeah. So vertical concrete blocks, and then Phil says, you know, uh, and uh, catch fencing. You know, those days there was there was catch fencing. Catch fencing is about this high. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, tiny. Know, yeah, chain link. And it was a real problem because the guys, apart from being hit, this is Donahue was uh, was killed by a pole mm-hmm. and the catch fencing hit him in the hit him in the head. Right. But cars would get wrapped up in it, mm-hmm. yeah. and he couldn't get the guy out. He couldn't get out, and, he, you know, and fire yeah. was yeah, uh, really still common. a huge yeah. issue in those days. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so uh, Phil said, you know, up at Laguna Seca, they have a retired physician up there. And he's developed a program with old used tires where he's re- bolting and lacing all these tires together mm-hmm. in runoff areas. And he said when the cars hit them, the, t- the tires all stretch and go, and they mm-hmm. absorb the energy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's amazing. He said, it, you know, he said, I've seen guys hit it at 150 miles an hour and just walk away without a problem. Right. 
So uh, Bashagupi says, okay, I need details of that because we'll have to get that approved, et cetera. So mm-hmm. anyway, for the Phil gets hold of Talbot, and we get details for that, and the engineers will engineer it up <laughs> so it looks reasonable. Yeah. And uh, off we go with the circuit maps to be approved. Yeah. Then the calendar date to be approved. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Daytona Beach is absolutely having a connection. Oh, losing their minds. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Right. This is going on. Now, yeah. do you think that's the <laughs> adding more F1 to compete with their prize NASCAR and IMSA, or that is the fact that more street courses are street showing Street courses. Up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All about street courses. Yeah. Huge threat to their business. Yeah. 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 You know, we get, we get these approvals, and, okay, back to the city, done over in Europe, signed contract. Yeah. Then we start the whole series of other crap. <laughs> <laughs> so then we were introduced. Well, we had to raise money, first of all. Okay. But say, because one thing I'm hearing is, so you've got all these objectives, but these are all approvals. None of these are, now it's time to execute. No. Yeah. These right. are all approvals. Yeah. yeah. So when you all of a sudden it has to become a real thing, mm-hmm. it's like a new layer of oh to me. <laughs> it is definitely a new layer of oh <laughs> Yeah. Because then we had regulatory Plus, we have money. With mm, yeah, California and Long Beach or with the uh, racing commissioning? With the who? California Coastal Commission. Oh. Huh. <laughs> they ruled that they had jurisdiction. And this is like an environmental yeah, group? Yeah. yeah. Because mm-hmm. of, obviously we're right yeah. here on the coast. Yeah. 1974, Coastal Act of the state of California. Every development within one mile of the mean high tide of the ocean mm-hmm. has to have an approval permit from the California Coastal Commission. Yeah, and of course. Well within a mile. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So they interpreted, even though we were temporary, <laughs> they said, no, we're having jurisdiction on it because you're going to have an impact on the coast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that, then, then, then another nightmare began. <laughs> it was just horrific. It's the Coastal Commission? Is that what it was called? Or is called? California Coastal Commission. Yeah. Twelve districts. Uh, from the Mexican border to the Oregon border. Their their concern is primarily environmental and taking care of the coast, right? Well, automobiles so, coming, fumes. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, like a car race is not exactly in line with their values. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then and they, they don't understand that the exhaust fumes coming out of racing cars is far more clean and pure right. than the average car or the truck or the bus. Yeah, especially in the 1970s. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. so how did that go? So... Um, that was uh, interesting. Um, we had our first hearing. First of all, we were on the consent calendar, just like... Uh, on, so it should have been just an automatic thing. Just an automatic thing. But the, if I know California. The uh, the hearing was um, it was held in the conference room at the Port of Long Beach on the top floor. Their conference room is on the, on the sixth floor there. Okay. And um, that's where we met Jim McKellion. Okay. Um was he, in this process, or it, it, during this process, okay. and I'm r- riding up in the elevator with with two, two of my now directors to to go to this hearing, understanding it was going to be on the consent calendar. And uh, this guy with a bike gets in the elevator with us, <laughs> and he stands the bike on its rear wheel, and uh, he's got fairly long hair and dressed very casually. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said to uh, Stu Elner, who was one of our financial guys getting raising money for us I whispered to him said look at this communist over here with his bike (laughs) (laughs) so Uh anyway we go through the hearing well we Uh get pulled off the consent calendar by a citizen because the citizens had the right to pull items right and we go to hearing anyway we got through the hearing and there were like of the 12 votes there were probably we had about 8 
of them and four against us, the real environmental types. Anyway, so we left. And we think, okay, we're good there. On the way uh, out of the meeting, uh, Jim approaches Elner, talks to Elner, you know, about and says, hey, you know, I'd really like to volunteer my time. I'm between jobs right now. I'm a UCLA grad in business administration. Yeah. Let me know what I can do. And this is the kid that was on the bike earlier. This is the, the communist, the communist yeah. with the long okay. hair on the bike. Yes. Okay. So anyway, so Elna later tells me, you know, okay, this guy volunteers, you know, if you're putting your management team together, blah, 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 blah you should talk to him. He's, you know, seems like he's prepared to help. And Right. So anyway, you and know. Talk about Karl Marx. Yeah. Yeah. Talk, yeah. So it turns out that Jim's a huge auto racing fan, a huge auto racing fan. And uh, he says, oh, I can volunteer my time. Uh, he said, I said, you know, we don't, we won't have any money coming in until we get this first event and funded and things. I said, you know, he says, no, don't worry about that. I'll, I'll, uh, I'm in. I can take care of the business side for you. And so that's how Jim came on board. In the meantime, the Coastal Commission uh, has approved us uh, for going forward, with the only problem being that in the 10-day appeal period, the same woman that pulled us off the consent calendar now is appealing us. Mm. Okay. Okay. So even <laughs> if you get the majority of votes, there's still an appeal process an appeal for those process. who object to yeah. it. And because she's brought now out of the woodwork all the other groups, like the Heal the Bay and Save the Fish, and, <laughs> and, and, and the birds will be hurt by yeah. the noise. And, no. uh, I mean, you name birds it. That is, in fact, the 501c3 registration you, is. You, you, yeah. you name it. We've got a list this long that are suddenly, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. And, of course, one of the reasons those people jump on something like this is they want publicity for their cause as well. Right, right. You know. They uh, they may not be you know truly against us, but they're going to be against us to get the paper, get the paper, whatever. And, you mm -hmm. know. So so now we're rolling into June, right? And we we're raising money, but the money's all in escrow. We can't, we can't spend money. We've got a September twenty eighth date to run a Formula five thousand race, which let me back up for a second for you. In those days, before you ran a Grand Prix, a Formula one Grand Prix, you had to run a approving race to make sure you knew what you were doing. So that was scheduled for September the 28th, 1975, and then the F1 race will be March goes well, 76. Yes, you're worthy. exactly. Yeah. Okay. So now we're, now we're getting worried because we're up, you know. Because right. now you're, close. you're in the spring of 1975. The well, race we're, is we're on the edge of summer. Right, and the race is just a couple months away. It's, exactly. And so, you're dealing with Save the Birds. And we've got to worry about building 2,500 or so uh, Twelve thousand pound concrete blocks. Yeah, we've got to assemble poles, bent, all bent. We've got a cable, chain link fence, and you can't put tires. one concrete block down until this we, California Commission approves it. Exactly. Okay. So anyway, we we uh, we get heard in San Diego, and f you know, fortunately, the the opposition in their zeal to uh, cut us down uh, told some untruths to the commission. And had a phony signature list, and there was a terrific operation by the city, because they got their petitions together. We demanded to see those petitions. We got them back to the city. The city went through and started verifying. Bear in mind, this city owns its own gas company, right? So we know who lives. They know who lives where. Well, they found about thirty percent of the signatures were phony or did not live within oh. the coastal zone. Okay. So anyway, we get through the commission hearing and we get approval, and they give us approval for for uh, not only the five thousand race but the Formula One race. Okay. The, the the next spring. Right. 
But now we've got to worry about assembling the blocks, doing this, right. doing that. And blah, blah, blah. So, so all anyway. the red tape is finally through. The two red tape later. is done. Okay. Took two, two years. The red <laughs> two years. Yeah. 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 The red tape is and done. a bunch two of years. birds. So uh, anyway, so that takes us, you know, into the F- Formula 5000 weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a nightmare weekend. Because <laughs> you know, we, had, we had security and the city insisted on having police. Mm-hmm. So we thought the police were going to help us with our, with, our, with our outside perimeter lines. But the police were there so there wouldn't be drunken brawls or fights or people doing bad things. When it came to securing our perimeter lines, the police said, nothing to do with us. It's your right. problem. So right. overnight, we had to put together security companies who mm-hmm. also didn't know what they were doing. Like, <laughs> like right. same day kind of phone same calls. Same day phone yeah. calls. Yeah. Can you come down here and stop the crowds of Long Beach? Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> you know, we the, the the important thing was that with the help of the SECA, um, Wally Reese and Bertie Martin, God bless Bertie, um, they ran the race part on between the walls and the and the and the Cal Club region. We had to deal with everything else, the souvenirs, the concession stands, and all that stuff, and it's just all brand new to everybody, right? I mean, no one knew really what was well, going. You, and you kind of skimmed over. The track built. I mean, in today, 2021, yeah. it's an intense process for for eight weeks, and that's off of decades of knowing well, how to do it. We didn't have eight weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when the 5,000 race was was uh, was operated, it was, it was literally our final approval was six weeks before. Mm-hmm. On a track you've never built, never built. Local so, guys don't necessarily know so, where everything goes the way so, they do today. So back up. You remember I told you of Dr. Peter Talbot and mm-hmm. the tires? Yeah. So he had volunteered to do the tires and stuff for us and had a pretty good concept of safety on the circuit, what needed to be done and interpreting drawings. And I, so I called Peter and I said, you know, you're going to come down here, right? And he said, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, how about you coming down right now <laughs> and, Bring your tires. And, and supervise this whole track being built? And he said, well, I've never done that before. I said, well, I've never run a race before. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we're in this boat together. Are you, are you in or for it? And he said, Absolutely. So down he came. So he took over the actual construction of of the of, of the blocks. Now bear in mind that the first race we were not allowed to close Ocean Boulevard until five o'clock in the morning on the Friday. Had to traffic had to flow. Yeah. Even with construction. Even with construction. Couldn't. So we had we had to, to deal with the Pine Ocean intersection. We had to deal with Linden Ocean intersection. We had to deal with Alameda's Shoreline Drive yeah. intersection. All active roads. And All active build. roads. And, and again, and you don't have decades of locals being used to it. Right. Um, this is the first time people are driving right. in through this yeah. stuff. Right. So. We're struggling. Yeah. And it literally, I mean, everybody's out there helping. Yeah. Phil Hill's out there putting up wire fencing. Really, he's actually physically working. Phil Hill is literally chaining up, chaining up. And that's like when him. that's back when drivers were actually adults. Yeah, and had yeah, to yeah. work jobs yeah. at certain times. Was so this for his Instagram capable. account? Yeah, no. was he doing this for his Instagram? Yeah. No, <laughs> was he what? Was he doing that for his yeah. Instagram? No, he's yeah, like, he look sure at me didn't. working. No. I'm one of the no. people. No, no, hashtag no. grinding. Yeah, Phil. <laughs> Phil was the most. No, he, even if it was Instagram, was okay. he, Phil would not do that. That would okay. not be Phil. He was more of a Twitter guy. Nope, he would not. He would. Phil. Phil was again a very modest world champion. Right. Very, very modest. Right, yeah. unlike that damn McLaren. So, <laughs> anyway, so he he uh, 
He's out there working. I mean, uh, all Dan's out there working. Everybody's out there working. Yeah. We're all out there putting fi- a fence up and trying to get coordinate it together. So we finally, at 1 o'clock, we get the thing built in the afternoon, and mm-hmm. the SCCA take over and run it. In the meantime, God bless him, George Medak, who's uh, our city liaison guy now, mm-hmm. he has gone to the city manager and said, we're not going to make these guys take this down tonight. They can leave it up all weekend because mm-hmm. the plan was we had to take it down that evening. What? Jesus Christ. No. You're very, like, you, <laughs> yeah. You've just figured out how to put it up and you're supposed to take it down and put that, it up every, every night. night. Up, up Friday morning, down the Friday fencing, night. The up fencing set. and the block. Everything? Fencing and the block. Everything's supposed to be... Who's who's supposed to do this? Well, yeah. let's. We had crews. We had Dan Gurney, right? <laughs> Phil Hill. So anyway, so George Help. George goes to the city manager, and the city manager comes down and takes a look, and he says, "I agree. Just, we'll just shut Ocean Boulevard right down." Is this the same day? Like this is all like this all isn't ha- like this a is month all happening before. during in the period we're constructing on the Friday. They're all. I mean, they're working behind the scenes. Right. They're getting the council votes together. Now it's an eight-week, very organized process. Mm-hmm. But you're figuring this out on the fly with like minutes to go. It sounds uh, absolutely. Like. Yeah. So anyway, All right. so we anyway we start the weekend. Well, then, um, we we had we we we'd appointed various people in, uh, responsible mm-hmm. for certain areas. Somebody in charge of grandstands. Somebody yeah. in charge of security. Somebody in charge of this and that. So, I had a radio, obviously, and I literally had to run that race the whole three days off the radio on my hip, and I would go mm-hmm. through like three radios a day, <laughs> because and every question. We, we'd never faced it. Right. right. So you needed somebody who could look I mean, at the ground. So I'm, I'm sort of saying, you yeah, know, we'll do this, or we'll do that, or mm-hmm. we'll do that. Mm-hmm. I, it, was a, it was a horrific weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we got through it. Uh, we got down to the final laps of the race, and we'd forgotten about a victory circle. <laughs> that, uh, that was missing. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. anything. You know, we got so, so much uh, going on. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so... Uh, uh, we get uh, we think well Toyota come on board as mm-hmm. our sponsor mm-hmm. so I I got uh, our operations guy at that time Lance Schaefer I said Lance get us get us a pickup truck here to the start finish stand at Ocean and uh, and uh, Long Beach Boulevard yeah I said we'll make the pickup truck our victory circle <laughs> uh, Wally Reese said what about champagne for the winner I said oh sh- we do champagne oh my god where do we get that so that's sort of the liquor store I went to Jack's Liquor with yes! John Elm right yes! there walked in. You've got a kick out of this story. So, uh-huh. uh, I need some champagne. He yeah. said, I don't have champagne. I don't have whiskey. I don't have anything. He says, I've sold out of every. What about? Aren't you the guy running this thing? <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, I need champagne. He says, I've got some warm Andre in the back there. I said, that'll do. Just give me three bottles of Andre champagne. Yeah. <laughs> So he gets me three bottles of champ- uh, Andre champagne. I go to pay. He says, I don't want to be paid. I don't, you don't need to pay me, pal. Yeah. I'm already paid. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. For a sponsorship. So I come out with a brown paper bag. Brown bag in it. With, yeah. the, with the champagne in <laughs> The warm Andre. By this time, they've got, they're getting Redmond organized up in the, uh, in the back of the pickup truck. Right. The Miss Grand Prix. Um, so you thought of the Miss Grand Prix. We had think with the Miss Grand Prix, which so couldn't be found lane. anywhere. Okay. <laughs> so... She was working. with one of our directors drinking. Uh, <laughs> sweet girl. She's yeah, a sweet girl. But she would have been there if she, somebody told her, you know. But anyway, so we got an, another director's wife to substitute, to, to present the trophies. 
and uh, I'm, uh, I'm passing the champagne up out of the brown paper bag, and Brian's he remembers it very well because when he was on it at the races, he said, I remember the brown paper bag. He says, the first time I've ever had a victory given to me out of a brown paper bag. Anyway, so that sort of thing we did, you know. So anyway, the, the following weekend, uh, you know, it was pretty, uh, pretty worn out, as you can imagine. And it, we're tearing the place apart. We've got to find a place to store it and haul it and all that stuff. And I said, I thought over the weekend, I said, I'm never going to go through this again. I, I, so I sat down. This is September. Well, in the meantime, we, you know, we'd gone after us. We went up to Laguna Seca because the 5000 series went up there. And then we go to Riverside. And because of the, they were right after us, we were in demand. I mean, people wanted us to talk to us. The media people wanted to talk to us and stuff like that. So our our PR guy said, oh, you got to go to these races. you, you got to go make an appearance. So, so I went. We got those out of the way. And then I took a uh, – Schaefer was handling the all the storage with Talbot and where we were putting the stuff away and all that. It was all getting done. place was being pulled apart, no problem. And I went uh, at – after the – it was in November. I took a uh, trip to South America and uh, sort of was a break. And uh, during the whole plane ride down there, I'm thinking, you know, I, I got to do something about documenting what I did this whole weekend. I, mean, I got I to walk through this whole thing. So I said, okay, I got to sit down and uh, write down to the best of my memory what occurred. So and when it occurred. So that that over the next two months, I developed the what has become known as the minute by minute, where basically every single thing that it, I remembered it had to occur. I wrote in the time it had to occur and who, and who had to do it. Yeah. And this is retroactively. So on the first weekend, there was no minute by no minute. No minute by minute. No, it's, no it's zoning. You just improvising on a radio. Yes. Like, I think right now is when we're supposed to do this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On what a whole I, race weekend. The guy running the grandstands down at the end of Shoreline, he said, I got a whole load of customers here that said they got grandstand tea. He said, I can't find grandstand tea. Where's grandstand tea? Well, the grandstand guy had built grandstand T as part of grandstone grandstand S. Instead of it being a separate grandstand, he just combined the two together. Excellent. Sure. And of course, at that particular point, you know, all the grandstands were packed, right? Right, right, right. And there's people Take everywhere. No. Right. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're running out of T-shirts. We're running out of halter tops. We're running out of this. We're running out of that. I mean, it was just crazy. Well, of course, the the problem was why the grandstands were full was that the people that bought grandstand seats were in there, but everybody else that had a GA ticket or just came over the fences yeah, just, just sat, wherever so they wanted. sat where they wanted to sit. <laughs> so aesthetically on television, it looked great. Fantastic. <laughs> right, right. It was a, a roaring success. Mm -hmm. But fiscally, it was a friggin' disaster. Man, if they had Twitter back then. So, yeah, it's, it's, it just, I mean, it was just, anyway, so yeah, it, it, it just went, you know, just evolved from there onwards. We got the minute by minute. We divided the circuit all into air, master areas, like five or six master areas, and each area had maybe seven or eight subzones in it. Mm -hmm. Each subzone had a manager and assistant managers and, and, and gophers, mm -hmm. and they were our eyes and ears. So, when you know, so we had a problem, something go wrong, mm -hmm. uh, they knew it. I mean, yeah. we had a trip and fall. They documented it. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you, the lawyers after the 76 race started hitting us with all these trip and fall suits. Yeah. And when we'd go into court and we'd produce these reports from that were down, but minute, you know, at this, yeah, Mrs. Jones fell, tripped, on, but she tripped because she drank too much, and blah, blah, blah. Right. Those lawsuits started to go away very fast. Yeah, because you guys had the documentation. We had it documented everything. down, everything. Yeah. yeah. So, and, it's, and still today, I, I believe Jim still uses the same system. 
Yeah, the minute by minute. The minute by minute. Yeah. Right or it's actually under, uh, under Dwight's prevail now. Early on in the process of meeting with commissions and adding right. to your staff, right. there was this young commie pinko uh, that you met. What was that guy doing during that race? He's in charge of collecting the money, ticket sales. Okay. So he was a ticket sales oh, guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's doing everything. So despite his appearance, he was actually useful. Uh, Jim was invaluable. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he, he, you know, Jim's, Jim's very knowledgeable. Very, very, he's very smart, very knowledgeable guy. And he, he's, uh, he, uh, no, he, he, he ran the finances of the company. He was my right arm yeah. all the way up. Then he became, we appointed him, I think, as we started to, uh, to diversify the company in the, uh, the mid-'80s, uh, Jim became the chief operating officer. And then I, I, I just focused on developing the company, all the new the racetracks we were building and new aspects of making the company more profitable before it became a public company. Right. I did all that, and Jim ran the day-to-day of the company. But that first year, when you first laid eyes on him, you thought, oh, who's this guy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We found out afterwards why he was on his bike. Oh. <laughs> It took us about three or four years to get to the bottom of it, but turns out Jim had a, a habit of going very fast on city streets and getting a preponderance of tickets. Right. And they suspended his license. So that time his license was suspended and he's riding his bike. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But it took you three years to realize that. It took us that. <laughs> we, we tried to get him a a a car with Toyota. Toyota gave us a lot of cars. Mm-hmm. We said, oh, Jim's got to have a car. Mm-hmm. And Jim said, I don't I think I need a car. I said, no, Jim, you've got to have a car. Everybody else has got a damn car. You're going to have a car. Right. So uh, then we found out about three weeks later why. <laughs> we can't give him one. That all adds up. Yeah. 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 We, we, yeah. we, we, we No, yeah. he can't have one. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Anyway, he's got over all that stuff, I think. So anyway, so, you know, that sort of catches you up through 76, and then, you know, then then more nightmares occurred later on. <laughs> no, you can't yeah. do that. You can't. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> so Jim, who was in charge of tickets, told us a story that, you know, you as you say, yeah. you look around, it's wall-to-wall people. So at the moment, you have to be thinking, oh, we're golden. We've made so much money. Uh, but yet, what what happened after the fact? Well, I mean, we, we when we started to look at the revenue, you know, the actual ticket revenue, where it was, we started looking around everywhere. You know, I'm, who was keeping an eye on the ticket sellers? What were they doing? Who, what about the box office? Were there problems there? You know, because we, the, the amount of bodies in the place did not relate to the amount of revenue. Yeah. And, of course, the city saw the thing and said, oh, this thing, you guys are rolling in money, you know. And they, they handed us a huge bill, a monster bill. Right. Because, <laughs> of course, you're going to pay it. And, yeah, you know, and we said, hey, you know, we don't have the money. Well, where is the money? We don't have it. Yeah. Well, your place was packed. Yeah. Well, the, we got that negotiated uh, down. And we worked out some payment terms. That's yeah. a, there's, the, the, there's so much stuff that went on behind the scenes. I mean, the, you know, the, the, the public don't know about. But in those negotiations, with the, the city bill was almost started off at $800,000. Oh, gosh. <laughs> right. And that was a lot of money in those days. Yes, it was. <laughs> right. Today, that's nothing. Yeah. It's nothing, right? Yeah, it's, it's nothing. peanuts. Yeah. Right, we, we got that whittled down to about 300000 Uh-huh. Right. Uh, now, and the city wanted to see us survive. Understand, you know, yeah, the, the, the yeah, city yeah. did not want that. Th- this thing caused, created so much positive publicity everywhere. Sure. I mean, we were yeah. we were everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the worst thing would be for the city for it to collapse. Yeah. What was the attendance versus what the uh, the financials showed the attendance was? I suppose the attendance was probably somewhere in the area of fifty thousand people. Yeah, for the on first Sunday. Yeah. And, yeah, on Sunday, and there were probably of them. 20,000, 25,000 paid at best. Nice. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> Less than Solid. half. Yeah. 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 Less than half the people at your track. Yeah. Yeah. Paid but you see, it. the problem is you build 
I think we built for 35,000 seats, right? Mm-hmm. But when you build for 35,000 seats, you have the fixed cost of those 35,000 seats. But if you're only getting paid for 20,000, mm-hmm. that means you're eating 15,000 seats. Yeah. 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 So it's it's a double negative. Yeah. Right. But and, and you had way more. The liquor store, they were golden. Yeah. Everybody was golden. The locals were happy. Right. The local yeah, yeah, pubs yeah. were golden. Yeah. The local bars were jammed. They were mm-hmm. roaring. Just everyone with the guy Ho- putting The on. hotels were roaring. Yeah. Everybody was roaring. Restaurants yeah. were roaring. And you were exhausted. And we were exhausted, yeah. And we were out of money by the time at the end of the 76 <laughs> were broke. <laughs> we were broke. Yeah. So in racing, you got everybody but yourself rich. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, that's, well, it's, it, we, you know, we, making payroll was a nightmare. And then, of course, following the 76 race, we were in even more debt. Yeah. When he brought on F1? When we brought F1 in. We, 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 you know, we had all the bills from 75, and we had the bills from 76 to go as well. And then we, we, we cured probably 80% of our of our security problem by the next March, yeah. but we still had a bunch get in for free. And so it was a, a, a not good. It was crowded and everybody thought it was great. It was a terrific event. It all went well. Yeah. But then we were right. When we got done with the, those two races, we were about two and a half million dollars upside down. Oh boy. Wow. You now the initial thing is, okay, file chapter 11, boom, move on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the problem is in the event business, if you file chapter 11 and move on, no one's going to give you anything, any money there up front. There is no there's, more. There's yeah. no more advanced ticket sale. Yeah. There's no more sponsorship money. It, you know, yeah, we'll sponsor you, but it's going into an escrow account. Yeah. So you have no yeah. cash flow. And in racing, yeah. cash flow is king, right? Absolutely. So we had to sit down. We, we had some unsold stock. And we, we did something fairly creative with our concrete and our fencing. Um, one of our directors... He's a terrific guy, wonderful guy, who was kind of my personal assistant over the previous two years, John Queen Sr. He put together a company of his buddies, and they bought from us the concrete blocks, and we leased them back for 10 years with a 10-year option at the same fee. Then they took the fence, and we sold the fence to another wealthy guy, and I think we raised $50,000 there, or maybe a hundred. I don't know, something in that range. And we leased the fence back from him for two 10-year periods. Right. So we had some cash. Yeah, yeah. So we, 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 we said, okay, we'll do a creditor settlement. We don't, want to, we don't want to declare Chapter 11, but we want to pay the creditors off. We'll give them 20 cents in cash and 35 cents in stock, which was worth <laughs> right, right, zero. Right, zero. Yeah. If they will bite the bullet on the balance of their debt, and we'll give them assurance that we will use their services for the next ten years if they are within five percent market value. Yeah, yeah. So there were 186 creditors, mm-hmm. and Jim and I sat down with all of them except three. Three refused to take it. Okay. They said they want to be paid. Uh huh. So we said, no, we're not going to pay you. Sorry, sue us. So they sued us. Yeah. Well, the grandstand guy, Mike Brown, he paid off one of the creditors, wrote a check. Here, go away. Uh-huh. Don't ever come back. Yeah. And then the other two, with all the other creditors' approval, told them we're going to pay them. Uh-huh. So Jim and I talked to 183 of 186 creditors head on, face-to-face, either I th- uh, there might have been 10 or 12 of them over the phone. Right. 
But, I mean, you, you want to know the definition of verbal abuse? <laughs> we got, rightfully so, yeah, we were yeah, beating yeah. them out of their money. Yeah, right, right. Okay? Yeah. I mean, we took so much manure, it was unreal. <laughs> but the bottom line is we got it done. Mm-hmm. We made it through to 77. By leveraging every part of yourself out yes, there. Yes. So then, yeah, the, yeah. then we had two more nightmares. <laughs> two more. Oh, yeah. I, I just heard 188 of them. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, now we've got to come back to the Coastal Commission. <laughs> cool. Right. So this is an interesting little story, and it's it, it's actually in the book, but you guys uh, will get a kick out of it, I believe. Um, the Coastal Commission hearings in San Francisco. And the chairman. So the, one thing I know about San Francisco, they love car racing. Yeah. Well, the, 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 where we were, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yep. So in, in the meantime, um, because of the the, 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 the the crisis in San Diego with the phony names and all the stuff. Yeah. I'd built a reasonably good relationship with the uh, with the, the director of the Coastal Commission called Peter Douglas. Okay. And uh, he, he was all powerful. And, and I, I knew that I had to. Like get on his good side. Get, get on his yeah. good side. And, and, and bear in mind that. I forgot to tell you that when we were going through the f- initial work process with the Coastal Commission, right after Dan won um, the Indianapolis 500 with Bobby in 1975, he flew straight to San Francisco and we okay. went to the Coastal Commission offices. And Dan went into those offices, and they, I mean, it was a yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. It's part of these deal, yeah. guys being very liberal guys up there. They knew they who Dan Gurney was. Yeah, I mean, so no. was, you know, mm-hmm. so we really had a, had a good relationship with Peter Douglas. Mm-hmm. So the hearing starts on a Monday evening at 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock or something like that. No, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but um, is this a cyclical thing? Like you have to re-up every few yeah, years? Yeah, we did. I had to okay. re-up every year. Okay. Every oh, year. Okay. I have to so it's that. not like somebody objected and you had to get a hearing. This no. Was, this is an no. annual thing. Annual thing. Yeah. So I roll in there at about 6.30 or so, and I, can, I know we're on the agenda, and it'll probably come up about 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. It'll be, we'll come up maybe later. Peter Douglas waves at me. And then beckons me to come up to him. And I go up to him, and he leans forward. And he says, we're in trouble with your application. He said, we've given the staff approval. He said, but right now, we've got nine, at least ten votes against it. I said, how can that be? He said, the opposition has got to these commissioners. I said, oh, no. He said, I'm going to try and get your thing pushed over till tomorrow. So we can talk to some sense into these commissioners tonight. But he says, if we have a vote tonight, you're done. Right, right. So I just sit there saying, oh, crap. What, you know, what do we do? So he's working the commission. So our item comes up at about 11 o'clock. And Peter jumps in and says, um, I want this item heard. I want to recommend to you this item be heard tomorrow. This is a difficult item. We need to do, deal with this tomorrow, not at 11 o'clock tonight, because this could run us into 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning, and I don't think it's correct we do that. So I, let's adjourn this item until tomorrow morning. Adjourn until tomorrow morning. So another a commissioner who we, who we knew, Long Beach guy, he comes up to me right here and he says, I don't know if Peter told you when you were whispering over there with him that you're in trouble. He said, he said, he said I don't want to do with these guys. They're, they are locked in against you. So I said, Okay. Uh, let me think about something. So I went back to my hotel room, and I thought, you know, what do I do here? So I better call Ecclestone. I call Bernie. Oh, it's seven thirty in the morning. He, he doesn't get into his office till nine. Yeah. 
So I waited till about 8 o'clock the UK time mm-hmm. called. Thank God his assistant was in there, mm-hmm. Ann Jones. So I told Ann, I said, you got to reach Bernie now. now this, is, this is before cell phones and stuff. Right, 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 right. No, Well, yeah, he, he had one. <laughs> yeah. So, so. <laughs> he had the first one. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, fortunately, about five minutes later, Bernie calls me back, uh-huh. and I tell him what's going on. He says, right, oh, I'm not going to do that. He says, you damn Americans, you've got all these stupid, ridiculous things. He says, don't you understand? This is an international race. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I said, yeah, it's an international race, Bernie, but who's going to explain to these commissioners what they're doing? I mm-hmm. said, you know, you, you're going to have to do something. You know, think of something. What are you going to do? I, said, I don't know. I'll think about it. So I'll call you back in an hour. I said, okay. So this is, remember, this is the middle of the night, my time, mm-hmm. early morning, his time. Yeah, He's thing. in London. Paris is one hour yeah, right. ahead of him. So mm-hmm. 9 o'clock in the UK, 10 o'clock in Paris. Mm-hmm. So Bernie calls the president of the CSI, Prince Metternich, and says to Metternich, you know, we've got a problem in California. These Californians are going to cancel this race. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, remember, the schedules are all published. Yeah, it's, right. Yeah. Uh, it's a big deal for them. Yeah. So, he said, they're going to cancel this race, and they, they don't give a damn about any other country in the world. Mm-hmm. He said, it's an insult to these other countries that are holding Grand Prix, that the Americans are treating us this way. So, Medinet takes it, and he says, and Eccleston says, he said, you need, to, you need to go to the French Minister of Sport, get his support. Mm-hmm. So Mednick goes to the French Minister of Support, gets his support. The two of them this go. It's all happening in like a matter this, of minutes. This is happening yeah. in, you know. Yeah, middle of the night we, for we, you. Yeah, we got an eight-hour ta- Yeah, 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 before the next yeah. meeting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Mednick and the, and the Minister of Sport go to the U.S. Embassy, to the attaché, <laughs> and explain to the attaché what yeah. an insult this is and how could this be. This is ridiculous, this thing. It's a temporary circuit. And At all the U.S. Stuff. Embassy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Over the California Coastal Commission. Over the California Coastal Commission. For a car race. <laughs> right. <laughs> So the U.S. Embassy goes to the State Department in New York, in Washington, <laughs> D.C., right, to wait, to wait until 8 o'clock in the morning, 8.30 uh-huh. in my California time. What year right? is this? The 77. I think my grandfather just retired from the State Department. Right. Like, <laughs> None of his jobs oh, yeah. had anything to do with race. Right. Yeah. Like, this dumb little car race yeah. in Long Beach has created an international incident. <laughs> okay. So, uh-huh. so the phone lines go from Washington to the governor's office of California, of California. California. Yeah. who yeah. was was uh, Brown. Oh, it was Jerry Brown even? Jerry then? Brown. Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. Moonbeam. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Who was okay. at the time very environmental. Who at the time had announced he was running for president. Ah. Oh, it would have been that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. the presidential election was coming the next year in 78. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. And this is the, the the spring of 77, and he's sort of getting his stuff organized <laughs> and ready to go, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the State Department was talking to his chief of staff and explaining the whole thing to him, right? Yeah. Chief of staff, smart guy. If what they're saying is true and this thing gets out of control, this is not going to look very presidential. No, right. Yeah. Okay? Control it. Yeah. Control it. So, I guess they discuss it. Anyway, I go down to the... the I, now, I, I get a call from Bernie, and Bernie says, I got these wheels in motion. He says, I don't know if it's going to work or not, but... You know, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't, but give me a call either way. So, oh, well, fat lot of fucking good that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I mean, thanks, you know, man. Thanks, you know. Yeah. Just. So, anyway, out we go uh, to the hearing. Peter Douglas immediately beckons me over. He says, um, we're going into executive session. Um, the governor wants to speak to the commissioners. <laughs> <laughs> over a car race. Yeah. <laughs> 
So anyway, I don't know what went on in the phone call, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, but yeah, the governor, yeah. the governor had two appointees. Uh-huh. No, the governor had four appointees on the commission. Uh-huh. The Senate had two. The Assembly had two more. Yeah. Okay. And then there were other appointees at large. Yeah. But somehow or another, as I understand it, the governor said that if this thing does not get authorized and causes him an embarrassment, he wants the resignation of his appointees on his desk immediately. Wow. Wow. Vote or die. (laughs) Yeah. For Long Beach. Had you not called Bernie Ecclestone, there might now be a Long Beach Grand Prix. No. Yeah. No. So anyway, so they they you know, they they, re, they come back in and there's a tent to do vote in our favor. Yeah, <laughs> one of the appointees happened to be uh, the vice president of financial affairs for uh, operator operating engineer union local 12 mm-hmm. in L.A. and he was he was with us from the start. He was a good guy from the start. Mm-hmm. So after the commission hearing is over and we're going on down the road here and we're starting construction this is now 77 you know we're going to have a um, early april race 77 so we're now in february so um yeah we're we're in we're in mid 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 february mid late february yeah we're starting construction i'd get in my office 5 36 o'clock every morning pete byro who you guys probably don't remember the name pete byro but he was one of the leading American photographers of the 50s and 60s oh, and 70s. cool. He comes to work and he says, what the hell's going on downstairs? Look, and in those days, our offices were across the street, the 600 building on the top. Mm-hmm. I go out to my office, look over the, the, the balcony wall, and there must have been 200 guys with picket signs. Unfair labor. What? Building trade, L.A. Building County Trades Union. Yeah. They're parading up and down in front. They're picketing us because we're not union. To build the track. Yeah. 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 Right? So we have a what the hell? So we got you the know plate. why? It's because of that uh, that damn Phil Hill. Yeah, yeah, Phil Hill is taking our jobs. Yeah, so yeah. now Dan Gurney. So anyway, we we now uh, figure out what the hell's going on. Right, yeah. this is what's going. on. The city come out to us. They have a labor relations guy. And says, yeah, the problem is you guys are not union labor. These guys are picketing you. They want union mm-hmm. labor, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, I'm actually surprised it took that long. The, the, so the police open up a dr- our, our driveway so people they, they they won't get in the way of cars coming in. They mm-hmm. open up the driveway where we stored our all our stuff on Reeves Field out there on the on the west side out there. Yeah. So the trucks would get in and out. And we struggled. You know, we struggled finding people to work for us. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. yeah. 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 the whole thing. Yeah. So anyway, uh, <laughs> we we last for about three weeks, and then one night one day the boys come to work. And about a dozen of our concrete blocks, the ends have been blown off. <laughs> and they dropped hand grenades down in there, pulled the pin and run, and just, you know. Just literally blowing them up. They blew, they blew the ends off. The, so they were yeah, useless. so you couldn't interlink them. They were, they were, I mean, there was serious crap in those days. So <laughs> anyway, finally, we. Uh, this isn't that long ago either. <laughs> no, like, no. So yeah, we, car we, race. Right. We, yeah, yeah. we get a meeting with the, uh, the union guys, the LA County Building Trades. Yeah. In the Hilton Hotel. And lo and behold, there is one face in there I recognized. My man from Local 12, Operating Engineers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, y- you got to be union. It's, with all this publicity on this thing, it's a non-union. We, we can't have this. Yeah. The, we, 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 we just cannot have this thing being non-union. So anyway, we decide, you know, we, we talk to them about money and how much money we have and how much money we pay and that yeah. we, we can't afford to uh, 
We can't afford to pay union wages and benefits and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, he, he, he says, let, let me have a timeout, and I'll talk to my guys. <coughs> so we go outside, and he's talking to his guys, and you could hear the language through the door and the walls. I yeah, mean, right, right. Moldy. It was unbelievable. Rubble, 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 so he comes rubble. out and says, well, what can you guys pay? And I said, uh, you know, how about if we, uh, how about if, if, if we have a flat rate, no, no working to rule, everybody has to do whatever they're told to do for 75% of the union scale? Which is maybe let me go see mm-hmm. he says will you pay all the dues I said you, so you want 100% of dues right and we'll pay 75% of scale mm-hmm. he said yeah that's what you're saying right and I said yeah that's what I'm saying he goes back in there's more noise <laughs> door opens all of a sudden these guys start filing out you know fuck you yeah yeah you know scab all the, I mean, all the stuff usual stuff kids back in the day so yeah. anyway so and he's left there, and he says, come on in. I said, okay, and uh, sit down. And I've got our attorney with us, obviously, and one of our directors. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, the laborers' union is prepared to cut a deal with you. I said, okay. 75% of scale? Yes. All dues? Yes. No work to rule? We're laborers. We'll do anything. But we'll build this place for you. Yeah. Okay. Got a deal, boys. Shook hands, and, they, and I said, right away, or could you wait till next year? Uh, well, all right, we'll wait till next year. Ten-year agreement, right? Well, I guess if you say so. Yeah, I guess it's going to have to be. Yeah. Ten-year agreement. Yeah. Done. Yeah. <laughs> Laborers are there to this day. Yeah. yeah. Not same. Not the same guys. Deal. Right, right, but, right, but the same basic but father deal. and son. And yeah. oddly yeah. enough, I was in a meeting in Anaheim on a project over there and having breakfast one morning. And a young guy comes up to me, the young 35-year-old guy comes to me and says, Hey, you Pook? I said, yeah. Do you remember my dad? I said, well, who was your dad? He says he was in charge of the laborers union back in 1977 at the Hilton Hotel. Uh, <laughs> you got to like, be kidding. Yes, I do. He <laughs> says, yep, we're still there. I said, great. So... If the movies tell me anything about dealing with unions, um, you know, at a certain point, you get home and and there's some guy waiting for you, like, "You, Chris, good to know." And then he leaves. Like, was there any moment like that? No. Oh. Can there, <laughs> can there be? Oh. No. Well, I would no, say I, using hand grenades to blow up parts of your no, equipment. No. I mean, there were the 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 usual confrontations. Mm-hmm. You know, when they yell at you when you're going in and out of your office or. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're screaming obscenities at you. That, but we never had a, we we never had a, 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 a that bad a situation. So if there's one takeaway from this whole conversation, it's that when it comes to feeling threatened between labor unions and environmental coalitions, labor unions are far less scary. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Bar- you know, Bernie, Bernie doesn't have an in. No, yeah. no. That's not to say that, that you know labor unions are not environmentally conscious. It's just that they're pra- they're pragmatic and they're sensible, right? You don't have to be political here. I know, no, but I mean, it, the environment. You know, I got a lot of friends, who are good environmentalists, and I tell them you're not, you're not rational. You're not you're not balanced. You know. So it seems like once you got your labor union sorted out and the commission has worked out. At this point, does it start to get smooth? Well, sailing? now we're still financially strapped. Bear in mind, you know, we, we you know, we, we, still we, tough we, times. Yeah, we've got seventy-seven coming at us, and we, you know, we, 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 we're hanging on by fingernails. Yeah, you know, 
So we got through 77, and then, of course, the great savior of 77 was Mario. Yeah. So here, so we got Mario, Nick, uh, Mario, Nicky, yeah. and Jody. Uh, you know, that was the famous year that Hunt's, you know, you've all seen the picture of Hunt in midair in the Marlboro car. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the same. That's the race. Yeah. And Mario's underneath him. <laughs> you know, racing stuff. Yeah. 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 And so that's the race. That was a tremendous race. It was a, 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 an incredible demonstration of precision driving at high speed by three racing car drivers. Yeah. Of, 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 of world championship level. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Mario wins in the last three laps in dramatic fashion. And that just blows the newspaper headlines and the TV shows uh, off the map. First yeah. American to win on American soil, you know, in a, in a, in a U.S. Grand Prix. Yeah. And it just, we, and we, we actually made the, the New York Times that, that, <laughs> that, that, that Monday morning, which is, you know, the New York Times doesn't do anything. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, so that, of course, that then allowed us to come back to uh, following the success of that race. Let us come back to the city and say, okay, now let's get on with the business of developing and promoting this city to people who can make a change mm-hmm. in our downtown. Mm-hmm. People who can build buildings, people yep. who can bring hotels, yep. who can bring funding. And that's, that's what launched us into that in 78, that initiative with the city. The city realized, okay, this thing's here. They, these guys have got their ship straightened mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. We've got all this other stuff behind us. Now let's start marketing, promoting our city. Yeah. And using the event to do it. And then there's a whole another saga that goes on right. from there. Positive, all positive, though. But it took three years just to get to the to the first race, and then it took another couple of years of events for it to actually be something you could then take to people that build buildings, exactly. businesses, exactly. and anything that would make people want to come live here and be yeah. involved. Exactly. Yeah. That's a long way to get there. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? It's, it, you know, it, was, it, was, it was good, I mean, for everybody. Yeah. You know? I mean, everybody. Everybody came out at the end of the day. The unions came out okay. The creditors came out okay. The investors came out okay. People had jobs. A lot of people had good jobs. Yeah. And I'm able to sit here today and enjoy your lunch. Yeah, you've made it. You've been on our show. <laughs> yeah. Crowning achievement. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's, no. It's it's good. I appreciate it. One just sort of historical bullet point. So, the race is finally sustainable-ish. Uh, you guys are moving along, and then all of a sudden, you make that switch from F1 to CART. Um, we've heard Jim's sort of side of, of what forced this hand, but uh, how would you describe that change? It's all, it's all about money. I mean, we were going, everything was going well. Um, you you got to remember back in the 70s and the early 80s, event ticket prices were very very cheap sponsorship was nowhere near what it was corporate hospitality was not not even there okay so i mean you could go to a dodge you could go to dodge baseball game for five bucks Mm -hmm. right you can't do that today no you cannot okay it's like 75 is the cheapest ticket right right so we were we we, our ticket prices had got up to like i think jim broke the threshold in like 82 with a hundred dollar that he broke the hundred dollar mark mm-hmm. for the good seats. Yeah, in the eighties, early eighties. That's, that's a big crazy. number. Yeah, yeah. and we were, and we were, but you know, we we felt the price resistance, mm-hmm. and so Bernie, you know, so we were trying to get our tickets to go up maybe five, seven percent a year, mm-hmm. and we'd we'd maxed out volume. 
we could not put any more people in here. I mean, it's, it, you know, somebody tells you there's 130,000 people in here. It's not possible because there isn't the real estate to put them in there. Right, right. No, we could get to, we got to 97, I think, on race day a couple of times at Formula One. Mm-hmm. But it was jammed. I mean, it yeah. was, I mean, crush. Yeah. So we couldn't get any more people in. We were maxed out on, 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 on dollar prices. Sponsorship is, is we, we, we've got sponsors everywhere, but they're all, they're tapped out. They're saying, any steady. This is all I want to spend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Toyota's telling us, okay, you know, you're getting more out of, out of us than anything else we do. Mm-hmm. And we had, we, I sat down with Bernie. I said, Bernie, you, you know, the, 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 the price for next year is, is literally the last straw that's going to break the camel's back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The sanctioning fee that the F1 sanctioning is fee. required. We right. can't, yeah. you know, we, we're making maybe a hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollar profit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> for an if, event this large. This yeah. large. Yeah. Right. And if we get a massive rainstorm or something like that, something happens and. The, the, we're back in the same boat we were in right. 1976 so, so. and 77. Yeah. And, and that's right, my point. Is right. like, uh, profit isn't profit that we think that goes into your pocket. Profit is this goes here in case we have a really bad year. We had no yeah. reserves. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we basically, you know, we, 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 we discussed it with the board. And Daniel said to us, you know, you should really look at, at, uh, at CART. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, he said, you, the, he says, I think the venue is bigger than the series. Mm-hmm. He said, he said, you made your mark internationally now. Mm-hmm. You know, IndyCar's on the rise. Why don't you take a look? So that's what we did. And uh, Jim and I went to New York in uh, 82, the winter of uh, Thanksgiving weekend of 82. Met with Bernie. He mm-hmm. didn't want to budge. <laughs> and we went up to, went up to Detroit and met with uh, Frasco and Campo Negro and, and cut a deal. Brought it, back to the, brought it back to the board. Before we took to the board, he said, Bernie, this is one last shot at it. You know, mm-hmm. the board approves it. I'm going to sign a contract. So uh, we signed a contract. And then on the 83 race, the uh, right up warm-up, after warm-up of 83, Bernard came up to me and he says, hey, let's get this contract done for 84, 85, 86, and 87. And I said, nope, can't do. He said, yeah, yeah, you can. Come on, come on, come on. He said, uh, what, what do you want to pay? I said, Bernard, I told you, we can't do it. We signed a contract with somebody else. It's over. Mm-hmm. No, no, it can't be over. It can't be over. I said, Bernard, <laughs> we told you in New York. We told you before. We told you again today. I'm sorry. You know, that's it. That was the end. Yeah. Hindsight, you look at it today, where Formula One is, where this, this place would be, yeah. this would be... You think Mexico City was incredible? Yeah, right. Yeah, it'd be huge. This place would have been off yeah, the map. Yeah. Okay? But Formula One. Cart did great. IndyCar did great. You know, till the, till the split mm-hmm. occurred. Mm-hmm. And then that's another yeah, right, yeah. Right. chapter. But you guys also might have gone out of business. We could well have gone out of business. If you were trying to pay Formula One prices. Yes. I mean, it, yes. this sounds to me like it's just very, very basic economics. Yeah. So you feel it's, as though yeah. you were maxed out. Yeah. You yeah. aren't going to make yeah. any more money yeah. off of yeah. what you can yeah. max out yeah. on. Yeah. So if the sanctioning fee is yeah. too close to that, it yeah. just doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. yeah. And, I, you know, you got to, you know, you know, you got, you, you, this, a lot of things you do as a CEO, a lot of things you do, but your gut do, right? But when it comes down to numbers and you talk to your numbers guy, okay, and your numbers guy tells you, hey, you shouldn't do that podcast. Yeah. There you are. Yeah. I mean, you listen, you know, you listen to him. And, uh, it, you know, I didn't, it, it just, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, Bernard and I were good friends. We didn't talk for a couple of years. And now we're, we're back on good terms and good pals. And, you know, and because he, he, he never 
ceases to remind me that if he knew it was that bad, he'd have bought the company. Oh, thanks, Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> was, is that the nature of dealing with Bernie? That as soon as you're kind of of no no longer of use to him, you're you're out. Um, I would think with some people, but I, fortunately for me, I've not had that experience. I mean, we, you know, when he, he was at Phoenix, he needed some help from me, and he called me and asked me to go to Phoenix to help him. And uh, that surprised my wife. She says, oh, what's this all about? You know, but that, that's Bernard. He's passed behind him, and he, he values friendship. I mean, anytime, anytime I need any help with anything over there, he's there. I, uh, and, and, I, and he's called me on little issues over here, see if I could help him do something, you know. And I do. I mean, you know, it's, 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 we're, you know, divorcees, but we're good friends. <laughs> right, 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 yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. You know, and he's an amazing, I mean, he. <laughs> the things he's done are It's incredible. just mind-boggling. Yeah. I mean, you just can't, you, you have, you know. Well, he made an international incident overnight to help your race happen. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. he was willing to destroy the California coastline. <laughs> <laughs> he single-handedly prevented Jerry Brown from becoming president. That, that's, yeah. You know, Maybe. just, just. Stop and think about some of the things. Mm-hmm. You know, he's yeah. he, he's a, you know, he, he's he's he, he doesn't have the suaveness and smoothness of a, of a Chase Carey or how Chase mm-hmm. operates. Mm-hmm. But he, but Bernard took Formula One by the bootstraps, and he built it into a huge multinational sport that's three hundred million people watch every weekend. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So once the cart contract happens, I mean, you know, not to jump along here, but effectively the. In my head, it, it starts running relatively smoothly, as, as, as smooth as it can with something like this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at this point now, um, the Grand Prix Association of Long Beach is now a functioning organization that can now start to think about other things. Correct. Correct. And so this, in my head, is where Jim McCallion starts to become sort of the the guy that's running the event of this specific race, whereas you started focusing on how to expand the organization because the Grand Prix Association of Long Beach is its own company. It is not the venue here per se. It is an organization that puts that on in a contract with the city Correct. but can do other it's things. It's a private yeah. for-profit company. Right, right. Yeah. So Jim, Jim basically, as we started to expand the company, particularly after 84, Jim took over the day-to-day. Yeah. And became chief operating officer. Right, right. And your focus at this point became how to expand the business to other things. Well, so. the, 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 the first thing we had to do is, the, the one thing you have to understand about the temporary circuit is you got to have good people. Yeah. You don't have anything if you don't have good people. Right. And to get good people, you got to pay them a good salary. Yeah. And they got to yeah. have good incentives. Yeah. 75% of what they're used to. No, that's the, that's the guy. That's those other guys. That's those other guys. The so you you can hire part timers, but they're still part timers. They they right. have no they're not no vested interest yeah. in the, the, yeah, the yeah. it's yeah. not their company. Right. They're not participating. Right. right. So I, I made the decision with the help of my board um, to said, look, we've got to pay people year round, mm-hmm. hire them year round. We've got to give them stock incentives. Performance incentives. We've got to give them if they if the company does well and we're making a profit. Yeah, they've got to participate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They got to they, they have got to feel ownership in the company. Yeah. So that's when we made the decision. Okay, you know, we got a great marketing director of sponsorship. We got great PR guys. We got tremendous operations guys. So how can we put the operations guys to work? Like Dwight. Okay, mm-hmm. how can we put Dwight to work? Revenue earning. Yeah. So we got in the grandstand business. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Okay. So by this point, then is, we get is in the electrical like, business. At this point, is a guy like Dwight a full time employee? Yes, oh, he's okay. a full time. But yeah. you're having a hard time paying for that full time employment because it's, it's 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 right. Start, remember, I got shareholders. Right, I got right. to deliver a profit. Yeah. to the right. shareholders. So yeah. we were not delivering dividends. Yeah, sure. On I a, mean, they were getting free race tickets and food. Sure, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, right, right. okay, but they weren't right. they weren't getting because your business is yeah. literally one event that you're paying a whole exactly. team of exactly. people for twelve exactly. months. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you know, so we we did Caesar's Palace that helped. We designed Detroit, the whole Detroit mm-hmm. and everything that helped. That brought money, but it was a one time hits. Yeah, right. They were not right. ongoing, mm-hmm. so yeah. we had to create. So that's why we got in. You know, we got Dwight operating that division, grandstands, electrical, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 some event consulting. Yeah. We had Mike Clark on board, our director of marketing, a terrific guy. We got him. So, okay, how do we get him to work? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we took on Laguna Seca as an account. We took some other consulting jobs for that. that right. Was, excuse me. So we got that that department clicking. Then then we started like, okay, how else do we make this thing? So then we looked at Delmar, mm-hmm. right? And then <coughs> and Delmar went forward and forward. And then the 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 uh, the, the, the fairgrounds people decided to build a. Uh, an, uh, an adjunct to their horse track with a horse ring and everything. And that right. took away our racetrack, basically. Yeah. No so we had it. to stop. Mm-hmm. So then I said, you know, uh, we still got to expand this company. Mm-hmm. So I started to look around at places where we could go, temporary circuits. Mm-hmm. And temporary circuits are very, very difficult. You've got to have certain criteria with temporary circuits. I know that now. Did I know that in 1975? <laughs> Absolutely yeah. not. Sure, sure. Not yeah. a friggin' clue. Just yeah. back to it. <laughs> yeah. But you've got to have some natural perimeters. You can't shut the places down constantly. Yeah. You've got to let spectators be able to move around. Yeah, absolutely. All this, all this stuff, okay? So you, so there's a, been a host of temporary circuses. They've all failed. Mm. And they've all failed basically for the same reasons. Customers can't move around. Impact on business in the area. Mm-hmm. Not natural barriers. It, 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 every you, I, you can just give me a list and we'll right. point it out to you. Yeah, yeah. Which, why they fail? But I said, you know, why don't we take our expertise and start looking at maybe other circuits mm-hmm. where we have other markets that don't. Yeah. So we landed on St. Louis, mm-hmm. and and having gone through the painful regulatory business of coastal commission and all that stuff, I said, I said we've got to find some. We've got to find places that already have. Their operating permits with the with their government jurisdictions in place. Mm-hmm. That's why we landed on Gateway. Yeah. That's why we landed on Memphis. Yeah. Because they we didn't have to go through that regulatory process. Right. Yeah. We had to improve ingress and egress, and we had to improve the facility. Sure. Okay. But we we knew how to do that. Yeah. Right. Right. And if we couldn't improve it, you know, to the maximum extent for, for one or two major events a year, we were in the temporary business. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. We yeah, understand right. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. That's that's and that's how we built the company. Mm-hmm. So that's how how it went forward. And effectively, that let's lease out our expertise, let's lease out our equipment yeah, our to build yeah. other events. I mean, that's still in effect today. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, the other thing that um, we became pretty good at was getting on with communities. Okay. You know. Okay. Uh, creating other events, mini events that made money around our major event, yeah. mm-hmm. and give that money to charity in the communities. Right. How to rally that support? Uh, how to rally need. that support? So yeah. we did that in St. Louis. We did the same thing in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we we you know we we had the this was the money making thing in the middle mm-hmm. and the spinoffs, the little stuff. Yeah. The, you know they all supported the event. Right. Have you had to call any more international diplomats? Nope. Okay. That was <laughs> just a one-time deal. Okay. Yeah. Not anymore, unfortunately. Nope. As the company develops, uh, eventually 2001 comes and you decide to step away. I decided to step away. 
um, because I was very, very concerned about where IndyCar, where CART was going. Okay. Um, so way outside of the event itself. Way outside of the event. And, but, you know, the, the, we were dependent on – here at Long Beach, that was yeah. the backbone. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, you can okay. – you can lease yourself out to a million events but right. the money maker is this, this is, one this right is, here. this is yeah. this is this is the home yeah okay so in in uh, in 2000 um roger ben, uh, roger penske called me uh at the time of the fontana race um it was the same year yeah 2000 um and said hey i want you and several directors want you to come and run cart so I did go back to Chicago. I did interview. And I realized in that hour and a half interview why Andrew Craig left. Because the directors were all trying to run the company. But they were trying to run it for their own little private fiefdoms. Yeah. <laughs> and not. You don't have the greater good of the series. Not the good of the series or the shareholders. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, which is a bigger problem. Bigger problem. Yeah. <laughs> so I turned it down. Yeah. So to create kind of a one-paragraph summary of that time, so the CART IRL split by this point is six years in. Um, it's obviously not healthy for anybody, but CART was notoriously run by the people running the teams who are, of course, selfish in their own interests. And so during that late 90s, early, mid-2000s time, there was a revolving door of people that ran the series because it, the series just continued to slow its momentum. And I'm assuming that there were no shortage of opinions as to what should be done. That's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In, in 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 hindsight, if you're if you're if you're if you're if you're if you're getting to this point, yeah. In hindsight, you know, sh do I regret leaving in two thousand and one and going to CART? Right. The answer is yes. So it could be because had I known, had I had I known what I found out, what I got there, right? I'd have said, let's stay where we are. Let's. We, you know, we've got to look at the product that's coming through the door. Yeah. Maybe it's going to be IRL. Maybe if we switch to IRL, yeah, it'll give IRL that, that boost little bit they need, that yeah. they needs to take it's it to a decent level. Yeah. So and you left the Grand Prix Association of Long Beach to go and run CART, which was a very difficult organization to be in charge of. A what organization? Feudal? Feudal? Difficult. Difficult. Oh, but yeah. you can say feudal, too. That's, a, that's <laughs> yeah. all new. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Very difficult. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we had to make some drastic mm -hmm. decisions when we got in there. Mm -hmm. And there were people issues yeah. that were severe. There were, I mean, we were based up in Detroit. You know, the home of IndyCar racing is Indianapolis. Right. You know, we had to, our teams were down there. We, you know, we, so we made, the, we, we made a lot of changes and, uh, uh, you know, I've often asked myself, you know, would you have done a lot of stuff different? The answer is no. You know, it was was the damage done? It was done. Mm -hmm. um, why why they did not realize, why those directors did not realize the value of the manufacturers to a series, I'll never know. Mm -hmm. um, but the decision by the manufacturers to leave, that I did not know it, but it had already taken place. When I got there. When you took in. Yeah. yeah. Because that's around the time where Toyota jumped to Toyota went. Honda yeah. went. Honda yeah. went. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Mercedes already gone. Yeah. 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 Uh, Ford basically gone, but we rescued Ford back. Right. To become the single supplier. To for become the a series. single supplier. Yeah. yeah. 
so I mean, it it, it it was it was it was not an easy period. Yeah. I can tell you, it was sure. very very. Yeah. From a personal regret that you you maybe made a bad decision, or just that it was a horrible experience to run the series. It was not a good experience. Yeah. Number one, yeah. but the, you, but I'm you, you know you, you, uh, CEOs are not paid for their what they like about the experience, but CEOs are paid to do things right. to salvage the company. I mean, yeah, uh, make and, it work. And uh, I, you know we did everything in our power. We, we just couldn't get there. Yeah. The 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 the, the horse was out of the barn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that just because so many decisions were made prior to you arriving, or is it you can't be in charge if you're not actually in charge? Um, if you know what I, you I, I would say to you, I, I would say to you, I was in charge. Okay. I, when I got there, I it was, I made it pretty clear that okay. the CEO reports to a board. The board are the policymakers. The board mm-hmm. should not get involved in the day to day running of the company. And it, and we had one unfortunate incident with a director mm-hmm. who tried to do that, yeah. and and I put my foot down. And you know, I told him, I said, you know, you. Should, if you don't agree with me, then you take it to your fellow directors and you remove me. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. easy. Yeah. So you leave the Grand Prix Association of Long Beach to run, to run cart. Uh, that doesn't work out. Grand Prix Association is still going um, yeah. with Champ Car events, and eventually when the when the series reemerged, um, by this point Jim is basically running the deal his way. Um, was there an option for you to come back, or was it at this point no. where you're already out? You're cashed out. And that's over. And it's not appropriate. Sure. My right. shareholders are all being cashed out. Everybody being cashed out. Yeah. Under, under new ownership of two other guys. Yeah. No. Right. So technically, the Grand Prix Association of Long Beach has a contract with yep. the city of Long Beach to run their race. Yep. That city does, uh, the city of Long Beach does have the right to go elsewhere if they choose to. Correct. And in 2014, all of a sudden, the, the rumor started to, to come out that you might have something working uh, with Bernie and with F1 coming back to the race. So... The then city manager yeah. was very worried about the state of IndyCar. Mm-hmm. I'm very worried about the attendance and what was going on here. And this is 2014, years after the remerging and so yes. on. Okay. So he approached me and said, is it possible to get Formula One back? And I said, okay, I'll find out. Right. So I went to Bernard. <laughs> Bernard said absolutely no oh. yeah absolutely we'll you know we'll come back but we got to have a long-term agreement got to have a you know got to understand who's going to be the who's going to be with what's the role of the city etc etc so we started down that path right. yeah. and just for the edit when you say bernard you mean bernie eccles yes. who's running f1 yes. Yes. right at the time so the city went said went public and said we're going to put out an rfp mm. okay and so an RFP is a request for proposal yep. uh, that it's very standard fare in any business. Yes. When you're doing something yes. with the municipal government, yes. they want to do their diligence and yes. put it out to anybody who can supply yes. this product. So you're now eligible to supply. So that the, 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 the staff was instructed to put out an RFP, and for whatever reason, it took them two years to do it. Mm. To <laughs> see the RFP? <laughs> to see the RFP. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. City government. Weird. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm getting stuff teed up with Bernard. Bernard's getting stuff teed up. Yeah. We're you know we're ready to put a bid, but in that two year period, uh, very cleverly, uh, Cal Coven Forsyth and Jim got a lobbying p- position together on the council members and s- basically convinced the council we don't need to change. Tony George now owns the series. Everything's good. This is going to be huge again in a few years. We don't need to go back to Formula One. Didn't have the votes there to get it get it done. Move on. Yeah. Simple as that. It's unfortunate. 
it would have been, I mean, particularly where Formula One's gone today. I mean, it's it's it's, it's staggering. Yeah. It is yeah. staggering. But, you know, Roger's got IndyCar now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will turn it around. It'll it'll grow. He he knows what he's got to get done, and he'll get it done. Yeah, and he'll he'll bring it back to it, it like some of them like to refer to the the glory days of cart. Mm-hmm. So he you know so the, the the series and the speedway can no longer go apart because they're under one ownership. Right, and that was where he was very smart in doing that. Yeah, very smart. The story, is, as it's told by other people, is that when there were council meetings on possibly exploring year offer or year consideration of F1, that if they did their due diligence, they would learn that this claim wasn't real, that there was no actual F1 conversation. Um, you obviously disagree with that statement. Oh, I would completely disagree, and yeah. so would Bernard. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And on that same level, how was your relationship with Jim today? With Bernie? No, with Jim McAlian. Oh, I think it's okay. I mean, yeah. it's you know he's he's obviously not happy about what happened in 2016 with the with the two bids. Yeah, the yeah. two bids. But yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's business. I mean, right. I was the logical person to go to for F1 to go to. Yeah, yeah. he done. And I was the logical person for the city to go to. Yeah. In 1974, this long-haired kid on a bike that you called the communist uh, showed up to work for you. You know, it seems like you guys are okay now, but certainly it's it's not the warm, healthy relationship it probably once was. Is that unfortunate to you? Yeah, maybe. But we, you know, we were never very, we were not close friends ever. I mean, we were business associates. We were never, yeah. I mean, our families didn't get together. We sure. didn't, sure. wives did not go out together. Wives did not do social things together. So we were never, ever, it was strictly, I mean, a business right. relationship. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know, I, 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 one cannot but not be concerned that, you know, that he's concerned about it. And he, I know he he doesn't like it when I comment that, you know, the, the numbers are not good at the race. I mean, <laughs> which, like which he did. 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 Yeah. Which I just did. But I'm going to tell you that, I mean, the facts are the facts. Yeah. I mean, the facts are the facts. It's unfortunate. I mean, it's not his fault. Right. I mean, he's done his best to, uh, to make that company survive. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, but you know they are. It is what it is. Yeah. Well, speaking of the event, um, just sort of a couple closing things. So, I have been coming to this race since 1997. Uh, Ryan's been coming for 2015. Yeah, is my first yeah, one. Was your first? Yeah, but and yeah. and somebody who tunes in to watch a show like this, um, our whole thing was to tell the history, but also to let people give it people an insight as to just what an undertaking this is. What would be the takeaway you'd want? somebody watching this to to learn from this experience the experience of the lunch today or no, no 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 from, <laughs> like if, if you were going to put out heart a burn. if you're going to put out a video that was part history about the grand prix yeah. that was part history and part you know making this year's race happen oh you can't you can't tell the story of the grand prix of long beach uh or the toyota grand prix of long beach as i refer to it from the mm-hmm. old days and the honda sir, not on this show he drives for honda sir <laughs> okay well my accurate uh, no but i mean you've got to recognize that toyota's uh you know it's outside yeah. of marlborough in motor racing toyota's the longest yeah sponsorship relationship that in in all of motor racing mm-hmm. sure sure mm-hmm. but you can't do the history of an event without and if it's still operating without telling the present day right so for so, somebody watching what would be the thing you'd want them to learn the most out of how this race happens I think that you they they have to understand that this race doesn't just happen. Mm. This takes an incredible amount of planning, 
and a lot of hard work and long hours and dedication mm-hmm. um, to make it happen. And, it, and and when it happens, it happens pretty well. Yeah. I mean, it's it's well executed. It runs on time. The place looks good. Still does look good. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the, 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 the Germany's guys do an outstanding job. For video people like us, of the staff that's still there that you know, who do you think is the most difficult for us? I'm guessing I can get it right. Well, it's it's going to be Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, yes, but 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 I you know, I think I might have told you this on the phone. Yeah. That if if you want to if you want an operations director, mm-hmm. no matter what your business is, mm-hmm. you would there is nobody better than Dwight Tanaka. Nobody. He's 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 a curmudgeon. Mm-hmm. He's a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Tell him to get the job done. Dwight yeah. Tanaka gets the job done. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how he gets it done. He gets it done. And he gets it done extremely well. When you first walked the grounds of the downtown area back in the late 60s, early 70s, as you said, it was porno theaters and rough areas for, for sailors. Today, it is a very different area when you walk through. Do you look at that with some satisfaction that maybe you played a role? Um, yes, I do look at it with satisfaction. I do. I do look at it because the whole objective was to sh- the, 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 uh, of, of the original thinking in that office. Right here. Was how do we make change? Yeah. yeah. If they're going to spend $42 million on a convention center and they got no hotels and a grubby downtown, mm-hmm. how do we affect change? Yeah. I think we did it. I don't know we did it, but we, we didn't do it alone. Don't, please don't think that it was just us. It wasn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 This was a collaborative effort between the city, mm-hmm. a private company, community organizations, all coming to, together, singing off the same hymn sheet. Yeah. How's the uh, travel agency going? Oh, I lost that about <laughs> years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's gone. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. I, what I'm, happened? I'm glad I'm not in that business anymore. I sold yeah, them. I sold all the trades. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you have a phone now, right? Yeah. Yeah, um. yeah. it's... it's, it's it's, it's, it's got to be a horrible business today to be in. Yeah. I'm not sure it really is much. Well, there is a few. <laughs> um, if you could describe the Long Beach Grand Prix in one word, what would it be? A happening. No, I thanks, thanks a lot for, uh, for having me and listening to my viewpoints. And These are yeah. fantastic. Yeah, so yeah they're hope, great. Hope it's productive. You want it forever Trying to play a game But you don't play for keeps 
Chasing a ghost who don't try I'm tired of the show, but you up to self to somebody else It's too late Don't really care about all of your mistakes You were out of your league in the first place Not even surprised that you let me down, down, down I gave you too much honestly You want it for 